Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Good evening everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock in the UK and this is Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 15, episode number 31 and on a packed programme tonight, Tim Gray who is up in London, we have what? We have all the usual features. Oh, I'm much louder than you are, let me turn me down. No, you sounded good to me, you sounded butch, you have the butch filter on you, why can't you put that on me? You have the quiet filter on for some reason. Okay. How's uh, that, love? That's that better. better. Yes. Okay. Uh, we checked. have all the usual features. We'll be talking about all the things that happened last weekend. We'll be looking at some of the things that are happening this weekend. We'll be joined by our usual contributors, uh, who are Nick Damon and Shay Adam. We'll also have a special appearance uh, by a man who is a rare a guest on this show, um, but a voice that you will find very familiar once he's finished his tiramisu. Excellent. Uh, I don't think we've got a big interview, though, have we? No big interview, because we've got so much tonight to discuss. There was a lot of sport at the weekend, and there's a lot of sport uh, in the weekend coming. Uh, so your tweets, please, at Specutainment. How about this from Viz Patel? Let's kick this off. Uh, am I missing something? So the energy saving made under the safety car in Formula E will be deducted from the usable energy available. From a racing perspective, is that not a bit silly, having the driver still have to lift and coast to make the race distance? Why not let them race harder? What you mean, like you would do in any other race series where you still had effectively fuel in the tank? Interesting. Interesting, bits. Very interesting. Add spectatorment if you'd like to get involved in that discussion. Uh, hello to Gufflemont who says, no apologies tonight. By the way, it's at Specutainment. Uh, I'm about to cook a... Oh, this was about an hour ago, so he's had it by now. A nice leek and boursin risotto and sit and hear Mr. Damon's views on Red Bull's strategy call at the weekend. Question, what changes will Pirelli make? Answer, none whatsoever, other than the ones that they were going to do anyway, which is a change of... Uh, tyre compounds which was already planned for this weekend in the two shires Grand Prix Alexander Orkin says no AFAs Alex nice to hear from you lovely spag ball supper and an offer for someone else to do the washing up looking forward to the hang on a second is this a Christian Arp situation there someone else doing the washing up Alex I'm not sure that's allowed is it hello to Carol Brink first day of August Uh, Fogust, actually, tuning in for the usual places. Uh, she's in Monterey. Kevin uh, is at Thermal. Jack Gabriel, had to come into work today. Have never seen one of these before. 
Now, I know that doesn't work on uh, radio, but it looks to me like a, a Montreal. I'm re retweeting that now. If I'm wrong, uh, Jack, let me know. Um, hello to Chris Suku. Stephen Lloyd, backlisting after a bet blast on Assetto Corsa Competizione. Bring it on, guys. Uh, using Spanish tonight? Any chance? A few people asking. Oh, definitely, yes. Excellent. Ian McCarthy, no AFAs. I'm listening from a roasting hot Hungary with a freezing cold beer. Hope you are very well indeed. Well, not as well as you are, clearly. Ian, excellent news. Excellent news. Daniel Summersgill. Listening live tonight for the first time in a while while racing at the Nürburgring on Assetto Corsa competition. Ah, that's an Espada, I'm being told. It wasn't a Montreal. Thank you, Nick. Um, not sure about the unprotected concrete wall at Silverstone uh, where Kvyat crashed. Not a good look in 2020. Could be a lot worse. Nick and I discussed that earlier on today when we had a bit of a pre-show meeting, actually. And we'll have a chat about that later on. Hello, Dave Alcock. Uh, on the filed coast, rather wet and grey for a, uh, an August night. Patrick Dron listening in. Kevin Payne listening as well. Simon Hoff listening with Snooker on Mute World Championships. 147 just missed by Maguire apparently. You might as well turn uh, the volume up because there's no sound from it. Yeah, it's you're a right. Very quiet sport, Snooker. I think I'd be great snooker. Oh, he's gone for the red in the bottom pocket. Oh, he's missed it. He's bounced off the brown and got it off. See, that would be much better snooker commentary. You couldn't have a snooker commentator doing F1, could you? Or, or motorsport. Do you remember that time where they got Murray Walker to commentate on snooker and did a no. job swap back in the 1980s? Maybe oh, early that would 90s. have been fantastic. They, they, I, love the, I love the idea of whispering Ted They got Ted a whole Law. load of... Uh, Snookers to do different sports, so Ted Lowe, Murray Walker, I think Bill McLaren did it as well. I would love to have heard Ted Lowe at the weekend. And Lewis Hamilton has got a puncture. He's going to have to do the most of this lap. On three rails. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Uh, hello to Sam Pierce, who's listening with a glass or two of red. Wine going through Sunday's photographs uh, from Brands Hatch. Uh, and he said, first time in a long time I've been to a track. Uh, hello to David Harvey, who was also spotted. That was an Espada. Sorry. I was glancing on a very small picture before I, I uh, resent it. Sarah Rigby tuned in, finishing their tea at the moment up in Crewe. Uh, looking forward to a busy weekend of motorsport. Etc. Etc. Add Specutainment if you'd like to get in touch with us, please. Let's hit the button, have the jingle, shuffle the pieces of paper, and have the top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we're going to start by introducing Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. No, 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 no. Yes. How many times has he got to tell you? So, our top story tonight is Formula One. But he won't do that unless he's been introduced first, John. Do you think not? No. Well, go on, try it then. So, good evening, Nick Damon. 
Good evening, Tim. Uh, our top story tonight is Formula One. <laughs> Hooray! It, it, I think it needs to be more organic than this. It's getting very forced. <laughs> <laughs> and note, note, John, that you only were an afterthought in that greeting because yes, you got I, saw, I, saw I always said hello on. once. You see, I was, I was now confused by multiple helloing. You see, he's had his tiramisu portion already today because right, he was here well, at lunchtime. Well. Oh, it was so amazing long, lunchtime long. as well, was it? Oh. It was made early, specifically specifically for uh, Nick, because he was passing by uh, in sad circumstances uh, earlier on today, because it was his mother, former mother-in-law's funeral today. So mm. our condolences to Sarah and the rest of the, the family. And by the way, before we start anything else, actually, I do have to say, very good friend of ours here, on Radio Show Limited and in motorsport. Mike Perry has died today. Uh, Mike, (laughs) the motorsport community and the paddocks are going to be a lot less interesting and enjoyable and entertaining with the passing of Mike. He's been involved in motorsport for a very long time in driver management, uh, including Michael Crum and uh, a number of others as well. And he was also involved in various automotive projects, including supercars with Corny Seg and various other people as well. And he could be, and I say this with much love, he could be a right miserable so-and-so once in a while. But times spent with Mike, speaking with Mike, were never, ever, ever wasted. And the amount of times I've spent in Marion's in the US or in a hospitality area here in Europe with a cup of coffee or something a bit stronger, having a chat with Mike about what was going on in the world. There were absolutely joyous times and he he, he was a proper fighter and sadly he, he lost his battle today, uh, earlier on this afternoon. And I know Jules Boyce was with him and Jules, our thoughts are with you, our condolences go to my, Mike's family and everybody who knew him. And we'll not be having as much fun, Nick, in the paddock now that we've lost Purry, will we? No, I mean oddly, we we saw him just before lockdown, didn't we? Yes, we did. The um, uh, the classic car show in uh, correct, uh, and, and he had, was I, his usual exactly ebullient, mad, brilliant self. He was with Trevor Carlin, wasn't he? Yes, Trevor Carlin being grumpy as heck, and Carlin was we were chatting away. It was like going. Oh no, that's it. You, you fell over him. You fell over him with someone else in motorsport. He was incredibly honest to a fault, correct? Uh, unbroadcastably honest, and uh, you always went away thinking that was very entertaining. Um, yes, our thoughts with uh, the friends and family of, of Mike this evening. Sorry, uh, Tim, that that came in out of rather left field, which Mike would particularly have been <laughs> appreciative of, although he would hate us mention him right now because he would say, this is nothing to do with me, just get on with the bloody show. Great, uh, great so uh, we tribute uh, to him from Max Chilton as well. Uh, you mentioned the Carlin, Trevor Carlin there, but obviously a relationship with the full Carlin team as well. Correct, uh, and correct, uh, absolutely right. Max, uh, uh, absolutely right. Max shared his interest in classic cars. Uh we're going to move on to some timetable news, Nick, because we now know, know what's going to happen in Imola for the Grand Premio de Emilia-Romagna. Is it a port end of the future? What's, what's happening? Are we doing reverse qualifying? Are we doing no. less time on track? Are yes, we doing yes. just drawing it out of a hat? No, we are doing a proper 
as planned, not due to an earthquake, not due to biblical rain, not due to an upcoming tornado or typhoon. We're doing a two-day Grand Prix. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I think I think it's the noise regulations in Willow. It's, a two, it's Saturday uh, and Sunday only. Good point. You get 90 minutes of practice in the morning, a bit earlier than than FP3 would be, and then you go straight into qualifying. So they have 90 minutes of practice into qualifying at two o'clock, and the race. I think the race is a different time because the clocks have gone back, but it's just it's it's all standard apart from that. And the clocks an hour earlier because of course we're after the European clocks have gone back. Can I just tell you like. that Mike Mike Perry, who we've just mentioned there, he would have thoroughly agreed with that. Because spending time at racetracks when nothing was really going on apart from people <coughs> burning up tyres and fuel was one of his things that he was massively against. Why don't we just roll them out of the truck, put them on the grid and just let them race? That's what we should be doing. That's what Mike would have said. Sprinkle, as Nick might have said, with some unbroadcastable comments in between. Uh, and he's absolutely... Uh, well, I think that's a brilliant idea. What You know, great. Absolutely uh, good. Yeah, I think, you know, and if it works, obviously it won't be in for 2021, but I wouldn't be at all surprised they might try and push it forward, you know. Mm. Um, or they might say we can change Friday into those two things and then have a sprint race on Saturday. So it's, it's you know, the, outside the first, you know, couple of races of the season, there isn't really much use for three hours of practice on, on a Friday. I, mean, I, I love watching it because I'm a sad geek uh, and it's quite amusing to listen to stuff. But... Um, does it achieve much after a point? Not really. Um, so, well, as yeah. Mike would have said, burning money for no reason. It used to annoy him massively. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm with that. That's. Do you know what? Those two stories actually go to bet go together much better than I I, I could have possibly hoped for at the top of the show tonight. <laughs> that that's that somewhere Mike is having a giggle and a and a cigarette and a glass of something. Going, I I've been saying this for years. I feel better about that, Nick. I really do. Well, yeah, so they're going to try that out and let's see what comes. I say it won't be next year, but whether it then gets rolled into the regulations. You know, the point about it is you don't have to do three, you don't have to do the same thing at every event. No? That is another thing that people need to perhaps think about. I personally, and I'll be absolutely honest with you, I am 100% against reverse grids. 100%. Well, you've always good. said that that's entertainment, not sport, haven't you? Yeah, I don't. But if you want to fiddle with the program, you want to do something slightly different. If you want a qualifying race where they actually qualify in the qualifying order, not something made up or drawn out or reversed, then that's fine. You want to have two races in the weekend? I'm happy to try that as well. How about a game of darts? Game of darts? Yeah, that's fine. Game of darts. Um, obviously, you know, if, if they want to have a five-a-side football tournament between the teams as well for a pit <laughs> position, that's good. Um, but no, but everything must be done on merit, not on. Okay. Uh, so not on just pure chance or a bit of like what? What about a wheel of fortune? Is that too much chancy? No, that's not uh, really really skill. That's well, not skill. You've just got to spin it. Exactly. Yeah, the thing is, though, I think, I think getting it to stop in the right place. But does Nicky Campbell have an interest in uh, in in F one? Mm, I mean, to oh, some extent, there is uh, an element of skill in with in pulling a ball out of a hat. Well, on, on, only if you've got very, very sensitive pads on your fingers and can feel the, the printing the, on the ball. Of, of the one that's been warmed oh, up. Yes, well, the, the, that, was, uh, that was a long-time uh, conspiracy five, theory about the Everton. FA Cup. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I've always thought, I think it was, I'm pretty certain it was Jonathan... Um, uh, Jonathan Palmer, Dr. Jonathan Palmer, not the Jonathan Palmer sitting down eating the rest of your tiramisu uh, downstairs, Nick. 
um, that once said, I can never understand why people get surprised when we spend two and a half days working out who's fastest. We put them in them order, that order and then during the race they spread out. I, I do really quite like the idea of getting to a track, um, rolling people off the truck and basically saying, get on with it. Uh, we were talking about this at the weekend at IMSA and we'll, we'll have Shea Adam later on talking about the IMSA weekend and a bit of additional IMSA content coming up this weekend, actually, from a, a NASCAR event. Um, oh. all, all of that coming up later on. All in the second um, hour, which Nick will all miss. All in the second hour. Uh, yes, because he can't be with us. Um, uh, Jeremy does some racing where basically you turn up and there is uh, no practice of qualifying or very little and basically you turn up you park in the um you, you park in the uh, collecting area you go out onto the grid and they roll you out and they start the race and then basically you've got to get down to it which i accept that you know for it's particularly club racing, it's a circuit you've never been to before well do you know what then learn and learn quickly my boy or girl i honestly i i there's so much that goes on. And Nick and I were talking about this earlier today, Nick, weren't we? Um, about you, because you had nothing better to do at the weekend, watching all of the F1, including FP3, which you never bothered to watch. No, it was, it was great. I, I don't, just don't, I, 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 often I'll watch one and two. Always I watch qualifying the race. But FP3, I think, I think that was the first FP3 I've watched for, I don't think I've watched a single one last year. So I'm remiss, happen, remiss in mine. Yeah, that was just really interesting, though, because you know, I, know, I can't remember what happened in FP3, but, but it was um, it was it was entertaining. I enjoyed my 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 time watching it and looked forward to, the, to qualifying. Uh, we'll people. have uh, we'll have Nick's uh, we'll have Nick's team by team uh, review the one later, of yes. the Formula One later <laughs> on. Uh, let's have a uh, before we go any further. Let's yeah. have a couple of quick tweets on um, on what we've spoken about too far. Uh, Andy Garrett says, I'm saving the podcast because he's going back to, to Marshall at Silverstone for the second time in two weeks. Andy, thank you. Uh, the uh, Can I uh, please have an explanation of the llama, says Doug Amner. No. Somebody help him out. Somebody help him out. Give 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 him the 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 archive uh, as well, please. <laughs> Kevin Pitt says, no <laughs> reverse grids, no place in Formula One. 100% agree. With Nick Damon. There mm. you go. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we're in a minority, to be honest, of people actually know what they're talking about. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, NASCAR have been doing races without a whole lot of uh, of practice or even any practice or qualifying this That's year, true, and they yes. will continue to do, uh, including, and we were talking about this at the weekend, Earl Bamba is going to drive the Xfinity at Daytona on the modified road course, and the first time that he will see the track is as he rolls towards the green flag. That's the way to go racing. That, in fact, the first time anybody will see that track because nobody's raced on that version of the track before. I think there'll be an awful lot of laps being turned on iRacing who released that version of the track yesterday. Oh, did they? With the extra yeah. chicane in? They did the extra chicane and released it specially. Uh, very good. Uh, moving on, let's go back to Formula One. Tim, where, where would you like to go with the news? The story we had about Imola. So just one practice session. And yep. uh, as Nick says, this is something that could be used occasionally in the future. Uh, 
but there's one disadvantage of using it all the time and uh, because if you only have one free practice session then you can't allow uh, your reserve driver to sit in the car during no. one free practice session as Robert Kibitza is going to do this weekend at Silverstone is he? That's nice for him. He'll be replacing Antonio Giovinazzi at uh, Alfa Romeo in FP1. So, hang on. He's coming straight from Belgium to the UK. Yes. Without he's any quarantine. He's bubble A, DTM, to mm. bubble B. Mm. Um, but he'll get, he'll get tested, just like Nico Hulkenberg this weekend. They'll give him a double test before he's allowed okay. in. Okay. Yes, because no, Formula no, 1 are actually testing people, aren't they? Yes. Unlike some other series. Unlike some other series. Yes. Mentioning no names. Uh, but all the big series are testing people. Formula One, all of NASCAR, them. Formula E. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Move on. How <laughs> DTM is testing people. Uh, Move on. IndyCar. Move on. How's Kubica going to go then, Nick? Round well, and round, I think. He's, had, he's done one FP1 already this year. Yeah. Um, I think the second... Austrian race he did an SP1 so obviously it's the idea if you do the second race a double header you're not missing much given the fact that I mean just to preempt something I've later given the fact that Kimi phoned in his entire performance over the weekend not but yeah I'm surprised not him who's made way rather than Antonio Giovinazzi but uh, yeah I mean I'm sure we have another uh, good luck li- yeah a good few laps and um yeah it'll keep his his hand in um but of course he is one of the drivers who is actually qualified to be a F1 replacement reserve and test driver having yeah, got all the points and in the moment uh, what did uh, Kubica do at Spa last weekend? He drove. No idea. I don't follow the DTM. He drove, he drove the DTM car uh, and raced it, which is more than Ferdinand Habsburg did. Um, and I've no clue where he came because I fell asleep in the in middle In race one, he finished 14th. Right. And in race two, he finished 14th out of 15. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's consistent. They've only got 15 it's runners. Incredibly consistent. I think they might have 16, but only 15 of them were in the first race. Because Ferdinand Habsburg's car didn't start the first race because they had a uh, throttle sensor engine something problem. And Sheldon van der Linde was uh, behind Robert Kubica uh, on the basis that he didn't finish the race. And by the way, NASCAR, IndyCar and IMSA aren't requiring negative text, tests to get into the paddocks, just wavered. And a, co- a questionnaire. Really? Uh, yes. They are, they are testing everyone. Mine, they've, they've ver- hmm? They are testing everyone, NASCAR, every four days. Um, the, the questionnaire is an interesting one because the, uh, the first one is, uh, which was the first United Kingdom hit, uh, first uh, United Kingdom Eurovision song to get null points. That apparently is the first question on the questionnaire. Uh, we don't want to talk about Gemini here, do we? Ah, very good. Moving on. Who are our winners at Spa? Given the fact we, we both confessed we didn't watch the damn thing, only I you know... I thought we were talking about Formula One. We've sidetracked onto DTM so that we don't have to come back to it later. Okay. This is uh, why Johnny it, Palmer should not have seconds Rennie or two in his suit, because he'd know this. It's always Rennie Rast. He, he didn't Rennie watch Rast. it. He told me he didn't watch it. Nico Muller was the winner of race one, ahead of Leicester's Jamie Green. Uh, and Lloyd Duval was third, Mike Rockenfeller fourth, and Rene Rast down in fifth. Did he win the second one? But Rene Rast did win the second one, ahead there of Muller, Robert Freins, uh, Jamie yeah. Green, and Mike Rockenfeller. And uh, Sheldon Va- Lan- Van der Linde did finish that one, and in sixth place. Excellent. So, uh, 
five Audis in the top five in race two. I'm giving up. Except they're not, are they? In fact, five well, Audis are. in the we'll top five no. in both they, uh, races. Because they, Audi have said that they're look. not that they will. They're willing to stay in DTM if it becomes a GT3 championship. Yes, uh, which. Yeah. And BM, which, which no, BMW, which said, BMW said, no, we don't we'll want that at all. If it's a GT3 championship. <laughs> yes, it which is, is oddly, a bit of a muddle. BMW are just about to release a new GT3, aren't they, based on the new M4? So they are actually got one in, they're, they're actually preparing a modern one to replace their various versions, depending on what series you're in. Um, so. But yeah, I mean the whole thing's it's 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 having a really unpleasant long tail death spasm is DTM, and it needs putting out of its misery and immensely replacing with something new. But the, the you know, much like the the ITC died in '95, this is now going to die uh, probably this year. '96. Uh, JPM, by the way, has told me he didn't watch DTM and has no answers for you on that. <laughs> well, it would have been more fun for him to say I didn't watch it as well. Uh, he was so, busy at the weekend. Was he? Okay. Uh, yes, you know he was. Where was he at the weekend? At home. Donington? No, he wasn't at Donington. Was he not? No. Oh. Was he not? Yeah. Was he not doing touring cars? No. Okay. Uh, so Audi and BMW both want to continue in DTM, but neither wants the same rule set as each other. Well, they've never wanted the same rule set as each other. They because both want a rule set where they can win. Correct. And exactly spend less money right. and have more Fewer. competitors. Fewer money, I think you'll No te fias en español. Ole. So, so that's Por it. Midweek Motorsport. Excellent. So we've finished Formula One already, have we? We have not. Okay. Oh, it's, it's exciting. We're this is a real Formula team One order, now that we've uh, finished our DTM tangent. All right. Oh, okay. Is a DTM <laughs> tangent a bit like um, a bit like a chord? No. Is it slightly different to a chord, or is it you know? No, what? DTM tangent were an early prog rock band. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Was it not the first, Was it not one of the early names of uh, Human League? I seem to remember them on the John Peel show. DTM yeah. tangent. DTM tangent. <laughs> Moving on. So this is not a theatre in Espanol. Uh huh. Gutierrez is un piloto fuerte. Oh, he's on fire! Put him out. El director de la escudería Mercedes, Toto Wolf. Mencione que el equipo podrá reconsiderar el papel que desempeña el mexicano Esteban Gutiérrez, quien esta temporada fue designado como piloto reserva, pero no cuenta con superlicencia. You see, <coughs> actually, the actual story of this is more interesting than us trying to make something out of it this is mercedes amg f1 not having anyone to stand in as an f as an f1 driver in the current situation where surely everybody after last weekend and perez's sojourn he says being diplomatic 
um, and holiday with his wife in Italy, apparently. Um, he went to his mum in Mexico. And then went on holiday to, with his wife to Italy. But while he was, was in Mexico, he did a meet and greet with fans in a restaurant. Uh, according to his, according to his wife's, um, according to his wife's Instagram. social media, which she uh, subsequently um, deleted. But surely all F1 teams should have at least a couple of standby drivers with super licensia. Uh, at the moment, and AMG Mercedes haven't, and they're having to go to, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but they're having to go to somebody who just happens to be there and had the sense to renew his super licence, and he's there for Sky Sports as a commentator, Paul DeResta. Yep. It is a ridiculous situation formed on the back of the revised super licence rules, and, and who do you have to blame for those? Hmm. Max Verstappen, not his fault personally, but the rapid promotion of him I mean, into the... I it's isn't it? Yeah, it's the Verstappen syndrome. His fault for being really, really good. Yeah, that, for it, being really, that, really young. He was, yes. He should yes. have been How could you? less impatient. Yes, well, I think that's more yours, isn't it? He's had the right pacing apparent in Dutch press this week. Done um, a season of but, um, Formula 2, perhaps. That would have helped him. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the issue is that there is a limited number of people. Wasn't the Verstappen syndrome the, the, the prelude to the Bourne syndicate? I, I, I can't remember. Anyway, move on. It involves starting fights at cart tracks, yeah. Um, <laughs> but effectively, really, you have a limited number of people with super licenses. Effectively, they're the drivers who've been there for the last, uh, who've raced in the last couple of years, or the last three seasons. But even if you still have the points, uh, if you've been more than three seasons, you have to do 300 kilometres of actual running in F1, which is quite expensive, obviously. And that was the best of Van Gutierrez felt. And obviously, he's done enough races, he's done enough points, but he um, he hadn't done any running in a modern F1 car. Therefore, he fell over on that. And they found, oh, Esteban's not qualified, whether he's probably used or not, no question. With Also, with the spectacular in Berlin going on at the moment, with six races in 10 minutes um, for Formula E, uh, that ruled out Stoffel van Dorm and a couple of others. Um, so, for example, yeah, the, the, who, who is the reserve driver for Red Bull and for Toro Rosso? Uh, it's Boemi, isn't it? Boemi, that's right. He's also over in in, uh, in Germany. So, the, there are very few, because people are all sharing their reserve drivers. There are very few reserve drivers around. Um, and then they're not qualified or racing somewhere else. So someone has failed to check the press. And so you end up, you know, Nico Hulkenberg was an excellent choice, even though he managed to bring his classic good luck with him. Um, but yeah, I think the, the direct of things ridiculous. I mean, I read that today and, I, and I'm, I was incredulous as you are. But let's be honest, you know, in the previously in the McLaren program was Nick DeVries, who would have enough points, but he's also over down in the, in uh, in Berlin as well. So you kind of when you've got this major process taking a large part of the no offense division two drivers out of the out of the loop as well. Um, you do get these situations where you are casting around for someone who approximately knows his way around an F1 car sometime recently. I, I mean, I, I'm currently reading the very excellent uh, David Tremaine book uh, about Yacht and Rint. Um, and we'll have David on the show we will. in a, a week or so's time because uh, it, is, it is coming up to the anniversary of, of Yacht and Rint's untimely death. I take it you're not, alive to, not allowed to drive both F2, F3 right. and F1 on the same weekend right. anymore. No, you can do a test. You can do a, you can do a test. Um, yeah, a morning run, of FP1, but you can't enter both races. Interesting. What would happen then if you'd done the first F2 race, let's say, on 
on Saturday. The first F2 race, John, takes place after qualifying, and you can't substitute uh, a driver until qualifying. Right, okay. So right. you could do qualifying in F2 and then get drafted into F1, absolutely. Right. But once you get past qualifying, once the start of qualifying happens, that's it, you're you, driving you, set. You answered my question, even though I asked the question incorrectly, so thank you very much. That was very kind of you. That is very, And that isn't written in the regs now, is it? It's always yeah, been written in the regs. Yeah. No, it hasn't always been written in the regs. You can't draft a driver in for, the, for race day, and that I don't think that's. I don't think you've been, It's not like you, it's not like um, in IndyCar where you can qualify the car for someone. Someone else can qualify your car. That's never been a situation. Right. In F, well, they never been a situation. It may well, of course, in the fifties you could share a car. There may be different. Certainly in the, in the modern 50s, era, you could do all sorts of things. Yeah. But certainly in the last quarter of a century, you haven't been yeah. able to race in a Formula well, One support been... race and Formula One on the same weekend. It's... Some of us have been watching Formula One for longer than a quarter of a century, Tim. That's know, that's yeah. that's not even uh-huh. half my life. Um, Dave Alcock says, not "Is even it just half me?" The Formula One races. Well, exactly. Uh, exactly. Is it just me, or given the state of the car industry, including Germany, would you not think Audi, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, and anyone else might want to get together and agree a set of DTM specs to promote their car industry? I happen to think GT3 is a good idea. Uh, and Rotation says, apologies. He's tweeted this out spec entertainment. Apologies for being 30 minutes late. Sebastian Vettel was giving me a lift home. Hey! The problem with yeah. GT3 is that there's nothing wrong with GT3, but there are already three championships running in Germany for GT3 Correct. cars. Agreed. No, I don't disagree with that. Remember what we we talked about with, um, it was Andy Cotton, wasn't it? About a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, about the future of DTM. And that was exactly what he said. The other thing about GT3 is, ultimately, and and listen, I can see both sides of the Audi and BMW argument in that uh, the Audi say, well, you know, we want to sell more customer cars and we can sell customer cars. BMW say DTM shouldn't be about necessarily full customer racing. We want to have works cars and we can't, and we can't really do that with DTM, with DTM if it is GT3. Um, might I just throw in there, hang on a second, just pulled out the pin and roll in the hand grenade. Uh-oh. Well, in that case, BMW, why don't you use GT Le Mans, which is almost entirely a GT cars that are only run by factories. Audi don't have any, uh, but Aston Martin do, Ferrari do, um, they're a Porsche do, and you know they are absolutely top quality, almost prototype level. Ooh similar to the almost prototype level touring cars you used to have. And you've got some more... Oh, no, hang on a second. Yours weren't very good, were they? I know. See, that wouldn't work for BMW. (laughs) Sorry, what am I saying? You'd have to use the bigger circuits as well just to put them on. (laughs) That's true. Well, but if they got two together at the front of the grid, somehow nobody would be able to pass them if they just drove side by side. It's it's just like... It's it's that concept of having the 112 zone goalkeeper, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Alan Prosser says, the Verstappen syndrome, surely the fourth Mel Gibson Mad Max uh, film. Uh, and interesting to read that McLaren have got themselves prepared with Paul De, uh, Paul DeResto in case anything happens to Carlo Orlando. Yes, I may have said Mercedes, and I'm, I did mean McLaren. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 they... I didn't hear that. I, I just assumed McLaren. <laughs> yes, thank you. Again, thank you for answering a question I didn't ask. Back to Formula One. I don't think there was any more Formula One news. Excellent. Uh, so we're going to lose some wheels. Okay, and oh! I'll just remind everybody we're listening... To, we're all listening and participating, some of us, in Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 31. 
Ooh. Mm. Uh, we're going to move to two wheels to MotoGP. And Excellent. who will not be racing this weekend? Mark Marquez. Still? Yeah. Yes, Mark Marquez. Yes, I mean, this is, is he a, this Mark Marquez um, had to go in for a second operation on his arm, I think, on Monday, and they had to take away the plate that was in there because it was bent. Oh, uh, no, 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 stop, How stop, stop. How could that possibly stop. have happened, Nick? Well, this is just before we get to that point, oh. he's definitely out of this week's race in Bruno. It is very, very likely he's going to miss this next run of three in three weeks. Oh. Back, back at Red Bull Ring. Sorry, so he will, all of my bones are still aching. Okay. Eve is absolutely cringing at the moment as somebody who's had plates and pins in both legs. Oh, my God. Are you but, kidding me? You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, do you remember what, what um, Declan said about him prior to him even falling off in the first place? This is, this is a comment. I'm going to read this comment out. Um, and it's a comment from, actually, from uh, one of the other websites, the race website, about this article. And it says this guy called, oh, he's got a strange handle, so I'll leave that. Goes, the videos of him doing press-ups and weights were ridiculous. So was riding a 300-horsepower motorbike. Clearly, no one can tell him what to do, and this time it's cost him big time. Yeah. And absolutely right. No one was prepared to say no to him. He's been... Doing this macho man rubbish, which again Declan alluded to, his desire to beat all the beat all the people on every all his rivals who don't need beating to prove something he doesn't need to prove. He's overtrained it. He's sat there with you know trying to break from uh, 200 miles an hour to well, 190 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour at the end of the main straight at Jerez. You know, oh. think about the force oh, on your arm. No, and no. with an un, all right, we we say it's stronger. Well, obviously, yes, it wasn't quite strong enough to take some of the movement out. So it's, it is completely self-inflicted. If he'd just gone away and relaxed and, you know, had a couple of, a couple of vinos and, and, and got a nice tan, he would almost say he would come back this week and he would have been at least in damage limitation mode and trying to pick up 10, So that's 12, the championship gone. Nine points. Well, yeah. Championship he's, he's, is gone. He's definitely missing three. He's probably missing five of a maximum of 14 races. So unless everybody falls off in tandem every race... It's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 remarkable given that if you sat down at the beginning oh. of the year and said who's definitely going to win a world championship, you'd put his there above Lewis's. That 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 is just it's stupidity. It's horrible. <sighs> it's painful. It's it, but it is absolutely avoidable crash stupidity. So what are people now? What are going to be what this people? Is, do you know what this is akin to John? I think you were, this is akin to when Gaza, after his knee injury, decided to have a fight in a nightclub and make it worse for us. Paul Gascoigne, like, you're talking about yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's completely self-inflicted. Um, what are people who are going to say? Ah, well, you know, that's the sort of bloke he is. That what are the people who criticised? Who said we were criticised? Him? We weren't criticised. We were trying to point out a what we felt was a flaw in his psyche about yeah. this. And we, and we said it in the, in the context of him still being the best motorcycle rider of his generation and possibly of any generation. And, but we did... One of the things we said, if you go back and listen to it, is we were, fr- we were worried, worried about his mental... about his state of mind. Just... Mm. Unbelievable. So now he's taking himself out of not one race, but possibly three or four. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, I think it's people People jump to defence. And obviously this whole superhuman concept of, of motorcycle races, and they are Ugh. aliens in many ways. But there are basic functional human body situations. And, and no one would have thought worse of him not going to Jerez for the second race. 
And mm. it was it wasn't even the long game; it was a medium game. And I think we we all turned around oh. and thought, I don't, I didn't think it was superhuman. I thought it was super silly at the time. When he stopped, we said with some swelling. Well, we know what that was now. It's a displacement, obviously, of the. Of oh, the plate. stop! 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 Um, I've only broken one proper bone. <laughs> I've broken my nose, but that's not a, 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 a bone, it's a cartilage. But I, I've broken my scaphoid, and and that was very, 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 very painful. And I've never had to have as bones. Yes, yes. In that case, yeah. I broke both mine at the same time. Oh, dear. The world's um, worth hitchhiking. I, I, yes. I, 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 I cannot, I've not had to have pins or plates, but my lovely wife has. And uh, long before I knew her, and nothing to do with me, and it wasn't me that was involved in it. Um, I, I, and <laughs> I just, How many caveats? No, that was a lot of caveats before you I didn't push her off a bike at all. No, no, no. Uh, mini versus uh, passenger in a mini versus petrol tank. A petrol tank a one mini and passengers nil. Um, ugh, but anyway, um, the uh, I just can't. I cannot begin to understand how much or or, or or to get it through my head how much pain he must have gone through riding those laps in FP3 and then trying to ride in qualifying. I know if. My wrist is a bit, if it's a bit cold and my wrist is a bit sore on the brake side, when I'm riding a motorbike and it's my left hand, so it's only my clutch hand, not my throttle hand, but even so, um, I know how much that hurts um, if I'm in traffic and I'm doing a lot of, you know, using that. I, I, I have no clue how he did that. And I, I kind of, I understand why he wanted to try it, but the fact that he, as we said last week, the, cap that he, the fact that he kept wanting to try it, and go on, and and you could see the doctor and the team manager trying to get him to stop. I, I just think it's it's mental. I really do think it it shows something wrong in his psyche that Declan was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Go back and listen to it. I'm going go to move on now because I think a lot of our listeners might be close to switching off. Well, uh, let me do a couple of quick tweets on what we've been talking about. Hello to Stephen Gardner. Uh, it was a holiday Monday this week for him, so he's only just remembered. Oh, he's in uh, Fabian. Uh, Fabian says, if DTM switches to GT3, it will destroy not only G- DTM, as OEMs are not should never be allowed to run a championship, but it should it will also affect the ADAC GT Masters, as it could p- potentially lose. That's only one O in that uh, significant numbers of cars. Please don't do that. Uh, I when like you say the Imola. Don't do that. You mean spell lose with two O's, don't you? Yes, correct. Yes. Uh, Kevin Payne says no, 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 no. I like the Imola format. Um, uh, no reverse gri- grids. F1 must remain a meritocracy with grid positions earned on some degree of qualifying, even if it's a qualifying race. Uh, Dave Alcock says, "Ooh, John's hand grenade. Boom! Just gone off with a great left field idea. GT Le Mans based cars in G and DTM." Effectively prototypes already in that championship, at least with GT Le Mans, you're losing a proven divine. Never thought of that spec. See what happens when you've had tiramisu, homemade tiramisu. Daniel Summergill says, hey, guys, you wouldn't have known there was a DTM race last weekend. Their official Twitter hasn't been updated since the middle of July. Total disconnect with any of the fans or manufacturers they have left. Uh, and there we are. Moving on. Where was that going? Aspect entertainment, by the way. World Superbikes. Poor old Johnny Ray. And for well, once, we mean that actually, not ironically. 
Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know, poor old. He just had a really bad performance. He's had a, an issue. He had a. Well, he said his tyres weren't working in race two. So the, on the three race format, race one, uh, he went off in the lead, um, and it was in the end they faded back um, in the heat, wherein Scott Redding took his first um, World Superbike win. Um, the Brit, who of course is the British Superbike champion. Then we had the Super Pole race, which counts for half points, and uh, Ray led from flag to flag, though that was because Redding was held up by Top Rack for a bit. Top Rack what? Uh, uh, top Rack was in second. It was in third. What was and, Top Rack's other name? Um, very good rider from, from um, Turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, you don't want me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows who Top Rack is. It's quite funny, actually. If you listen to the Eurosport commentary with uh, with Jack and Jamie. Jack um, Burnett. Ev- every now and again, Jack takes a run at the surname, but normally he just says Top Rack. But he just, every, it's like every fourth time, he's probably got his ear going, Whole name, please, Jack. <laughs> Razgaf Liotu. Excellent. You can, I, I'll have to get that on a hotkey for me. And um, yeah, then the final race. Billingham's uh, finest broadcaster, by the way. He's brilliant. Jack Burnickle. And uh, in third Billingham's race, a very uh, again. Place. Oh yes, all of these uh, races are taking place under scorching conditions in Hereth, by the way. Um, again, Ray went off in the lead, but very quickly was overtaken by um, Scott Reddy again, who really cruised to a very easy win. So that's just, so two wins for him and a second. So as it was so hot at the weekend at Hereth, and given the two uh, two race results for the for last year's British uh, British British Superbike champion, was it burned before Reading then? Oh, how long are you working on that one? It's just come to me, really. <laughs> I, I should have uh, left it out as well. Oh, dear. No, no. Uh, yes, yeah, so and then basically Johnny did what we've never seen him before do in a, in a race where he's finished, and that's actually finished um, in, I think, sixth place. He had the lowest he's ever finished in a race yeah. he's finished since he's been at Kawasaki, and it was just a, one of those you know, tyre going off, just not working fades, which he couldn't explain, and obviously was not particularly uh, great to see, but, you know, that, that he is now... Still in second place in the championship. They're rather than second place to Alex Lowe's, his teammate, who had, a, who had a, a, a meeting where he was slowly getting better. But by the end of the meeting, the meeting had started when it had finished. He might have had a chance, but he just never got to grips until the last few laps of the uh, second race, third race. Uh, so he's now, I think, 20 points behind uh, Scott Redding in second place. Um, yeah, um, and Redding looking much as, the, as Bautista did the Ducati, looking uh, very, very strong at this part of the season. The shorter season, and more importantly, I certainly believe that Scott Redding is much more mentally tough than uh, Alvaro Bautista. So uh, the chances are that he'll be able to take this this challenge the whole way, whether Ni- he'll be able to win. Nice. Because track- sorry, sorry. Go on, go team. ahead. There, he's currently on tracks he knows, and there are tracks in the back mm. end of the season that the World Superbikes go to, which the uh, um, MotoGP don't. Nice to see the variety of machinery, though, at the at mm-hmm. the sharp end of, yeah. of the field. And I know there's an element of balance of performance, which doesn't really get talked about in in motorcycle racing, but with MotoGP and and, and with World Superbikes, uh, the lap times. All right, it was a bit hotter. Lap times very competitive with MotoGP. Couple two and a half seconds off in the heat of the day. I didn't think was that that much uh, away from uh, the race pace for the World Superbikes. But the 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 times when World Superbikes was effectively a second tier, I think it's gone now. They're just different types of bikes, aren't they? And, and, no, no. The, and the fact that the the manufacturers. Uh, are competing, some are competing in both. I, I find that very interesting. Well, of course, we, you know, the thing about World Superbikes is that if you actually go through, the, during the World Superbikes heyday, which is effectively most of the late 90s, it was 
in many ways bigger outside. If you take away Italy and Spain, in the rest of the world, World Superbikes was bigger than those GP. Yeah. Well, it was called GP then. Um, FIM and Dorna got very concerned. Imagine in, in a number of ways to slightly stymie um, uh, World Superbikes. Interesting, one of the key things I think that hurt Superbikes was the moving to a controlled tyre, which effectively... Mm. Act- took away the ability of the local superbike guys to come for one race. Yes. Not just in the UK, but in Germany, at least to get, you know, you used to have grids of 40 because you have 15 guys from the National Series. Yeah, wildcards, yeah. But, but the change the tyre rules, that became very difficult because they, they could turn up and be competitive. Yeah, you go to Donington, I think that's where Carl Fogarty made his name by actually Correct. wasn't a full-time member. So that, and then of course, I had a slow... Um, in the Flamini group, but a slow decline, and it was picked up by Motor G- by, by Dorna, and we all thought, "Oh, that's it." But then Dorna actually have treated it very well, and they've tried to to in, to Great. promote the differentiation about it and, and make it different. They've tried to make the bikes more like the stock bikes. Now, of course, because of the progress in stock bikes, you could buy a bike today that's got 226 horsepower and drive it out the showroom. You know, they they aren't sitting with any deficit of power no. um, to Motor GP bikes because obviously the point to remember is it was a user. There's a, there's a finite usable amount of power you can have with a motor GPO because you're contact patch. So they, they, that's why they, so they do have more basic suspension. They do have more basic electronics. But, you know, they have done a number of things to make them more relevant. It, that, that simple rule they came out with, was it three years ago, John, when they said the fairing had to look like the, ra- the oh, road bike uh, and you had to stick it to the lights? They put the decals. Oh, that was yeah, genius. Like, oh, I, I, I now see that's my, that's the bike I want. So, mm. yeah, and I think, you know, it, it, they, yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. It, it, you know, it, it, it is not the, – the pinnacle is still MotoGP. However, there are a number of riders within World Superbikes who were on the correct MotoGP bike would be, would be getting podiums. Um, it is a slightly different skill set, and certainly the, the quality of World Tour Bike is is second best. And, and yeah, if you, you know, and the top six of both series in a, in a combined series would be incredible. But you know, it's, uh, but I really, I really like the fact that it's there's a differentiation because there's you know it's a different format over the weekends. Um, there's there's more races for MotoGP. Um, Tom Firth says with Top Rack looking very impressive overall, he didn't waste characters on Razgath and Eolio, by the way. Yes. Is it more, is it starting to make more sense why uh, Van der Mark is leaving Yamaha, surely Top Rack now making the team his? Oh, no, 100%. But I think also BMW need a, a, bet, a better lead driver. Tom Sykes is, is struggling. Um, and Eugene Laverty is, I think, still trying to get over a 112 million injuries he's had. Mm. Um so the BMW bike is, is, is the one bike that's really not still got the same problem. Can't race. Qualifies well, can't race that bike. And that's the problem with it. Um, the Yamaha is looking a lot better. Um, Ducati, let's see how it is over a whole season. But that actually looks a bit better. And Chaz Davis is, is, is coming back on form. Uh, the Kawasaki, the, you know, it hasn't started brilliantly. Um, but, you know, it's still there or thereabouts. The, the Honda is, needs a bit of upgrade, but it's new. So, yeah, you should get all the, all the big, you know, if if BMW can pull their finger out and work out what it is they're doing wrong as far as race pace is concerned, then you could well get to a point where you will now have five manufacturers oh. fighting for the win. You've got three. There's three. But Yamaha had a bad weekend. They had engine blow-ups and problems. But there's no reason why we won't see uh, Yamaha, you know, um, Kawasaki and Ducati wins at the same weekend. A uh, couple of tweets before we leave this and move on to the first part of Team by Team F1. Um, Alan Prosser, and this is a great, great question. Can anyone... Even RC Racing, explain why uh, motor GP riders seem to be able to save 
the bike when they lose the front end when w uh, when world superbikes can't is it just down to being wider and heavier uh, therefore when the front wheel goes it goes i've not seen many MotoGP bikes outside of Mr. M. Marquez saying when they totally lost the front end, to be honest. Nah, we saw, we saw uh, last weekend um, Vinales, sorry, weekend before, Vinales lost the front end a couple of times coming through 11 and 12 and just gassed it up and saved it. Um, my, my guess is, if it's anything, it'll be down to... Um, throttle control? Pro- no, I think it might be down to something as simple as the front tyre. Right. One's a Michelin, one's a, um, one's, a, yeah, one's a Pirelli. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the tyre, but it obviously depends by its performance on the edge as to when if it goes, we can get back up again. And how you yeah. feel it, how early you feel it going. Because you know yeah. and I know, having yeah, ridden yeah. motorcycles on the yeah. road, when you feel your front end going, That's the funny. earlier you yeah. can feel it going, the better. If it's... if. If effectively you don't feel it till it's gone, you haven't got a chance, have you? No chance at all. No, I mean that's that's the, that is the ultimate nightmare. Uh, uh, and normally that's going to go on the roads because you might get you can't get a temporary, obviously, when you go go over a pothole and that sort of stuff. But not these days, of course. We want ABS, thankfully. Um, but yeah, the other thing, the other the other reason I might think is possibly because the um, W well, WSB bikes use uh, road derived engines, and therefore they tend to have a slightly higher centre of gravity. Yeah, they're not using um, V4s with a flat V4s, but I suppose possibly a Prilla, which would have the same engine layer. Everyone else is using the inline um, four across the board. Ducati right. um, might be better, but it, it's, it, um, my guess is it's weight distribution in the front tyre profile. Uh, and Dave Alcock, quick one on this before we move uh, on. Uh, what do you think influences a manufacturer, this is Dave Alcock who's tweeted at Spectretainment, into choosing World Superbikes over MotoGP or vice versa? Uh, money um, and uh, how it fits their marketing plan. So the the, only, the two manufacturers who really embraced um, World well, Superbikes rather than MotoGP, of course, are Kawasaki and BMW. Um, I think that's Kawasaki had a little bit of a go at uh, um, MotoGP didn't work, and they always have excellent returns from their WSB um, report. And they did always have a very very good sports bike in the ZX10, so it kind of it had the direct correlation. Um, also, Ducati are the team that's doing great across both. Uh, Yamaha are doing better now in World Superbike, and Honda have finally, after many years of not bothering with the works entry, started works entry this year. So I think they're all seeing the advantage. I think that they're probably seeing the fact that I'm just going to say RC45. That's all I'm seeing. Nice, the RC30 was even better. Oh, RC30 um, was lovely. Our local barber shop's got one in the front window. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, um, in Castrol colours. Very nice. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think it's it's a good question, and I think it, I think it's changing. I think the yeah, you know, it always comes down to money. That's what it comes down to and exposure. I think World Superbikes is getting better TV exposure, and, and therefore it's getting more, you know, more chance to have a sell, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday, or win on Saturday and Sunday, sell on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's Nick Damon. He's staying uh, with us uh, as we head into Nick's team by team look back. At the Grand Prix of the Two Shires last weekend at Silverstone. Tim, where do you want to start? Uh, I'd like to start with Mercedes, Nick. Bang, bang! But we still won. He hit uh, the ground. Yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah. Um, the Mercedes um, was, was was not as supremely dominant over qualifying. Especially on Friday when it was super hot. Um, in the, it looked like Valtteri Bottas had the edge throughout the whole of the weekend until it mattered, which was <laughs> quite Q3 when Lewis firmly put in his place. Lewis uh, got the lead despite a slightly dodgy start, not dodgy, poorer start than uh, Valtteri, and they then trundled round one and two, um, completely 
unbothered by anyone with um, and and until of course the fiat was in the end when when Valtteri started complaining about a vibration. Uh, started losing time and then of course his front left blew up and that was uh, particularly unfortunate for him because it blew up with four or five laps to go and he ended up tumbling down the field. Um, he did mention the, that they had a problem and they just didn't listen to him. But then yeah. again, all drivers say they've got tyre problems yeah, and nobody I mean, ever listens to them. It could have been the case of calling of a driver calling Wolf. Yeah, I mean, because not calling Toto Wolf, but uh, trying <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> but they, um That's yeah, excellent. Because I was saying, I, I kind of thinking that if they pulled him in when he first complained, he was nine seconds ahead of... Um, uh, Max and stick him on some soft tyres. He'd have been eight or oh. nine behind. He's a very short pit lane. He had eight laps to make it up. I mean, absolutely a definition of easy. But they didn't. Much they didn't pull Lewis in uh, when they should have done for the free pit stop. Oh, that um, was just nonsense. But um, they hadn't got any any belief there was going to be a problem. Of course, at that point we hadn't seen the second failure, which was was Carlos Sainz. So Lewis drove it very well on three wheels and took basically another very easy and deserved win. But um, but the key thing really about the event was, was not that. It's the fact that he got a 25-point swing. So he now yeah. leads by 30, which is four and a half races of first, first sorry, four races of first few seconds before um, he'd be overtaken. So next. Uh, Lewis Hamilton's won a race on three wheels before, hasn't he, Nick? Yes, I saw Yard for myself. Apparently he did it in one of his races in Formula Renault. Uh, the article is wrong. The article says it was the opening round of the 2003 Formula Renault season at Croft. No, it wasn't. The opening round of the 2003 Formula Renault season was not at Croft. It was at Snetterton. I was uh, going to say it would never have been at Croft, Croft, the opening round of a Formula Renault season. Croft hosted round seven and eight. So was it the opening round at Snet or was it round seven or eight at Croft? I think it was round seven at Croft, but I might be wrong. Was that the year that he was um, teammate to Matthew Wilson? That was the year that he was teammate to Sergio Jimenez. Ah, okay. And well, the golfer. Coulthard yes. And Matthew Wilson. Uh, Matthew Wilson, there you go. I, I, I Four man of motorsport cars that year. Not often that Hindhoff gets a single-seater thing anywhere near right, but <laughs> there you go. Uh, moving on, on Nick's team-by-team. Team. Red Bull Racing. Well, Max Verstappen, uh, let's start at the end. Uh, Max Verstappen uh, took, a, took a stop with a free stop, um, two laps to go to get a fast lap to get the extra point. And then everyone accused Red Bull of not having 20 minutes hindsight and say, you should have known that, that uh, Lewis's tyre was going to blow and you would have won. Well, no, you don't know those sort of things. And anyway, apparently uh, Max's tyres were in a terrible place. Max basically did the most he could do that weekend. this weekend. He qualified in third. He trundled the car around in third. He kept them honest and he didn't make any mistakes. So you know, what else can you do at the moment? Um, the focus really is on Alex Albon, who's having as torrid a time as Pierre Gasly has had. Um, he managed to absolutely well, total the car in a nasty accident uh, right around Stowe, and he just got a, a swapper on, which he couldn't control. Can we talk <laughs> about that? Can we? T- I, know, yeah. I, I know we're going to have to go into the second hour with you, uh, uh, okay, Nick, right, yeah. if you don't mind. I am shocked I am about to say this, but... Are Formula One cars outgrowing and getting too fast for even the safest, fastest type circuits of Silverstone? The accidents that we had at the weekend, and you'll come to some of them at the moment, made me think, hell's flames. You know, he's lost that there. Oh, he's gone straight across a gravel trap and hit the wall hard. Oh, Albon's Albon's accident. It was like, oh, 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 that's... I mean, they were lucky not to tub that, and he was lucky not to hurt himself. 
And, you know, I accept that all the drivers have walked away, etc., etc., etc. But are we getting to the stage where when you are at Silverstone and you're a kick in the backside away from the fastest ever lap, it wasn't the fastest lap at the weekend, it was the quickest lap at the weekend round Silverstone, it, it, it's still Keki Rosberg who has the fastest lap at Silverstone, which was over 160 miles an hour, which they haven't done. But you're getting close to that right now. And you only break now three times at Silverstone. You, let me just say that again. You only break in a Formula One car three times. Everything else is lift off and change down or lift off and go back on the throttle. Three braking areas. Turn one, the end of the back straight going into Brooklands and then coming into Vale. That's the only places you break in a Formula One car. Are Formula One cars now too fast for Silverstone? Um... Two things, you're absolutely correct, but, but don't forget lifting off will give you 1G retardation. Yes, understood. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the, don't forget these are, I mean, they've been extended for another year. These are going to be the quickest cars around corners we're ever going to see. Right. Or we think so, because when the 2022 regulations come in, they're going to reduce downforce massively. And they are going to make the cars slower, especially in the corners. Actually, actually, it might make them faster in the streets, to be honest. But that's uh, more, yeah, but they will be slower in the corners. That's, that goes Which is saying. where they need to be slower. Um and yeah, I mean the, the the cars. You know, it is it is ridiculous. You know, where you are got a thousand horsepower racing car in qualifying trim that is going around cops flat, but it is losing speed just because of the tire scrub. Unbelievable. You know, and and you know we and that is the level they've got to, and this is why you know people rail against regulations, but you have to do it because eventually you, you wouldn't be able to race anywhere because you're turn forward hungry, turn forward hungry on board yeah. with Hamilton. Absolutely extraordinary. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticising the drivers or the teams. But but ultimately, you've got to think. You have to think, oh, what if something goes wrong? Oh, like a puncture, which mm. is what happened to Kvyat. And he went off in a place that we don't normally see cars going off. And he just caught the end of the tyre barrier. If he'd hit the unprotected concrete wall there, he could have been really badly hurt. Yeah, and the thing to remember, of course, is it, it, obviously there are cars that go faster, like Indy cars at, um, uh, well, Indianapolis for a start. Mm. But they're going in a, effectively a circle. This is, I mean, this is not a criticism, just saying, therefore you know where their accidents are going to happen. Yeah, but they're, they're also built in a completely different way. A Formula exactly. One car exactly. wouldn't be able to... Can go, to can, 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 yeah, but to, what we're making, John, is Formula One car can crash at any angle at yes. any time. Yes, You know, And a Kvyat example is great, because no, there is no need to build a runoff there, because that accident isn't, isn't one that ever ha oh, has it's happened. You know, and you can't. And there are points we think, well, no, there's nowhere a car can hit that because of the way they, the, the, you know, the fact that they are turning left, turning right, and everything else. It is. It, 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 it was surprising. It'd be interesting to see what happens this weekend. But you know, yeah, I think there is a, there is a fact that they are slowing the cars down, and and this will, you know, dissipate for X years before they spin to for the designers work on how to make them faster again. Uh, and I have to say, I'm, I'm not having a go at Silverstone. I'm not having a go no. at Formula One. It just struck me massively at the weekend. Uh, so that's a very bad choice of words. It, it it came into my consciousness at the weekend how many big accidents that we have where we have large, large runoff areas. And in fact, there was more uh, gravel put in, uh, mostly for track limits, not necessarily for going off. But even where that happened, Kevin Magnussen, on a pretty slow corner, gets punted off by Albon and pretty much does the tub of the car. And And that's yeah, well, a slow that's corner. And that's the other point about Albon, of course. Albon's weekend, just to finish what we were talking about. Which exactly. I brought the, it back to that. Uh, See what I did there? Um, yeah, he was, people were saying racing incident. Um, the thing is that 
if you look at it, A, it's exactly the same um, front wheel to rear wheel, which he was so aggrieved with when Lewis did it to him in uh, in Austria. Oh, but yes, good point. More importantly, that is a anyone who's been around that corner, be it for real as you have done uh, in a car, or as actually I've done in the car and the bike, or virtually in a car, um, you know that's, that's a single line corner. There is yeah, no, yeah. and the fact that he did lose, yes, he lost a bit of momentum because he, he bounced out on a curb. But that was Magnussen, yeah. Sometimes, you know, this is the point about it. Is this is this is the danger of the the oft quoted Ayrton Senna rubbish. You know, if I don't go for a gap, I'm not a racing driver. No, you're a sensible human being. Sometimes not going for a gap that's going to close and isn't going to be there anymore because there was a gap when he bounced wide. But if you actually used your brain, you realise that he had to get his car around the corner. He was going to follow that line because he had no idea you were there, Alex. And Alex, by the way, Nick uh, can give you some. Uh, some tuition on iRacing anytime you want. A little bit later than usual. Uh, we'll take a break and be back with the rest of Nick's team by team Formula One review. I've locked Mark in the shed, so I get to say, still to come on Midweek Motorsport. Well, clearly, we've still got some Formula One to do. Johnny Palmer. Uh, has joined us here in the studio at Hindhoff Towers, and we'll talk to him about the ELMS. Uh, a couple of weeks ago at Ricard and also coming up at the weekend. Shea Adam will give us some IMSA news and some uh, IndyCar news as well uh, as we had a ridiculously busy weekend at Road America and we've got a bit of extra uh, Road America coverage for you this weekend coming with IMSA content that we weren't necessarily expecting but we'll have it for you and it's all free. Uh, plus your submissions on at Specutainment on Twitter. But next, it's back to Nick and the Formula One team by team on Midweek Motorsports. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. 56 seconds that was, Tim. 56 seconds. Not the 50 seconds you always tell me it is. I'm just going to say that now because I was actually watching the clock. 48 seconds, John. Not uh, a chance. Racing points, uh, Nick Damon. Um, well, um, obviously they were the focus of the weekend when uh, Sergio Perez was uh, found to have contracted COVID in one of his many, um, well, I don't know, Traveling. holiday trips, effectively exposing himself as much as possible. Um, and in was driver Nico Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg did a reasonable job until the Hulkenberg luck prevailed and he couldn't even start the race because of a bolt failed in his clutch and gammed up the uh, the engine, which sounds like a, a very common British Leyland problem of the 1970s, to be honest. Um, but effectively, they massively underperformed. Uh, then they got ninth in the end with Stroll, who was poor all weekend. That car is better than that. They tried to be a little bit uh, cocky by going trying to get through qualifying on the medium tyre, which they sort of half managed and half didn't. And they horrendously underperformed, and they'll be looking to put that right this weekend. But, you know, it, it, it was, a, it was a, a salutary lesson. You can have a quick car, but if you get everything wrong, it doesn't really matter. Uh, McLaren. Um, yeah, it was a good weekend for McLaren up until about you know, the final lap when... Um, uh, Carlos Sainz has a puncture as well. Uh, Lando Norris has found himself shuffled down the various squabblings at the start of the race from fourth, I think, seventh, whereas Sainz was one of the people to go past him. And, um, yeah, it was all a bit kind of strange, but, but they, they did manage to get through. They managed to get some decent points. Um, and for once, they were kind of battling with their engine teammates, effectively, at Renault. Um, but I think McLaren will be happy with the haul and obviously very happy that they were comfortably past racing point. Ferrari. Well, bit of a curate's egg, wasn't it? Good and bad in parts, they say. Um, 
they went with the new low down force specification to make up the fact that for some reason they're short of power to him. I don't know why that is. Um, and it worked for Charles Leclerc and it didn't work for Sebastian Vettel. And Vettel, for two reasons. One, because he lost an awful lot of time. He didn't have much of Friday due to an intercooler issue and then a strange problem with his pedal box. Never got confidence with the cars going in this more nervous, like, you know, low downfall situation. Of course, even more prevalent with the, with the wind that was uh, howling around Tilson all weekend. And just got also, therefore, qualified badly, got stuck in the middle of the field. Mr. Problem is, the Ferrari hasn't got the grunt to pass anybody. So once you're stuck in the middle of the field, you'll stay in the middle of the field. By contrast, Leclerc, who started well and got off in fourth into clear air, ahead of this squabble for fifth and behind Verstappen, was effectively had a very lonely race, but at the end of the day, once Bottas had the disaster of the pit stop, of the, of the puncture, he ended up third, and it was a, it was a great podium result for for Charles. And, and more importantly, with Fett, I think coming in tenth in the end, it was a one in the eye for the German as well. Veno, uh, well, much much better, obviously. Um, Danny Ricardo picked up a fourth, which was a great performance, including uh, a, a last couple lap overtake on Lando Norris to get himself into that fourth. Because Esteban Ocon was quite feisty. I uh, had a few arguments with uh, Lance Stroll. I think that he was eighth in the end. I haven't got, got the results in front of me. But it was a, it was a good combination result. Got both. Good match, I think he was sixth, actually. They got sixth. So they got a, a good number of points for the first time and look competitive. And apparently they know what to improve next, which they didn't do before. So they've got some more um, new bits coming for this weekend. So they try to gradually improve this, this car because, as they said, actually, quite honestly, in their press releases of course it's also next year's car mostly because they, they're trying to get things sorted out because they really got to run this car for two years with only upgrades not a complete reset uh let's move on to Haas next well they certainly got a lot of camera time let's be honest first of all they managed to monopolize the first few <laughs> laps with um with kevin magnuson and his accident which brought out the first safety car and you know kevin was 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 97% innocent of that. Obviously, he did go over that curb. And then we had the Roman Grosjean show uh, because what happened was when everyone came in for the second safety car after Daniel Kvyat's accident, they didn't pull Roman in. Roman stayed on his medium tyres, which were, you know, not not terrible. Um, he was able to withstand the first few laps because also there was a quite a slow warm-up on the hard tyres. So he was actually uh, quite comfortable with the early laps of the, of the, after the safety car. And they decided to do a rolling roadblock in a Yano Truly tribute act um <laughs> so and then beyond What's that, that, he just didn't appear to have the power to stay in that position did he well it once they once it was warmed up and could get in he was able to fend people off literally with a big pointy stick and then he got in trouble for overfending. um i must admit i did i, I watched both the instance the the jink and i've forgotten who that was on was that was a jink on ricardo was a jink it on was, ricardo yes. and then the the chop across he was a chop across was that was that Ocon? I can't remember who chopped across someone as well. And they whinged about them all. And I, I was thinking, you know what? Really, boys? Are you really whinging about that? It wasn't exactly Max Verstappen 2017, was it? It was just a little bit of a kind of, oh, oh, no. So, yeah, I think it made an interesting story. And he got a, he got a few people having a go at him. And, of course, you know, it comes down to him being previous. You know, you, you know, as we all know, Roten had a checkered initial start into F1. And managed to get a race ban for... Um, crazy action so i think it was a little bit over the top but of course what happened was he eventually faded back to, to virtually nothing because the tires literally ran out he actually ran out of, of medium tire and came off lost three places in one lap i think after initially digging for people uh alpha tauri um well again i mean 
pretty pretty good, really. I think I think they are looking like one of the teams that's making a move forward in the grid. Um, Pierre Gasly um, beat Alex Albon again in this in this really weird battle of who wants to be who wants to be in the Red Bull, not me. Can I be in? Can I be in? You know. Alpha Tari, it's more fun. No, it's my turn now. I'll beat you. No, you beat me. I mean, it must be a constant kind of worry for, well, I'm not sure how Mark worries about things, but I mean, it must be a sort of consternation to you that they can't find a combination, a driver who can who can live with the, with the with the Red Bull teams. You do kind of think these aren't bad drivers. You know, these are good drivers. So what is going wrong in the team is the question you have to make. And I'm sure there needs to be some sort of thinkage about Red Bull. Yeah, Daniel Kvyat thought he made a mistake when he went off, but actually, as, as a 360 camera show, which we don't get for a day after the event, he'd had a massive blowout going into the corner, and that's what take him off the track. And not he in a good way. No, not at all. And Pierre Gasly drove really, really well. Picked up, some, picked up some good points very sensibly, picked the numbers. Um, but yeah, this, this, the, the headache within the two Red Bull teams isn't going away. I think they are slightly lucky now, but it doesn't really matter what they do. They're, they're not going to win this championship this year, so they, they kind of have a year to try and work out what... You know, it doesn't really matter they're going to start challenging Mercedes for the odd win or tactics because they're not going to win the championship, so they can, they've just got to try and regroup. Personally, you kind of think at this point, well, you know, they want someone who's solidly and reliable and, and, and will actually do something at a reasonable speed. You know, do you, do you perhaps dip back into one of your previous Red Bull drivers who is available? Um you know, and if you look after him properly, you might even be able to, to do the uh, the number two act for Verstappen. Um, who knows? regardless of which way round Albon and Gasly are, they're always going to be happier in the Alpha Tower than they are in the Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, because Red Bull has Red Bull have gone to the extreme of building. If you look at if you look at teams that have been built around one person, they always had a very good, very secure, very mature supporting act. And let's look at. You know, Ruby Barrichello, Eddie Irvine, both guys who Mark knew what Weber. they were doing. Knew what, yeah, knew what, well, I mean, not quite, Rob, not, not quite so much because he was more aggy about it, but the, the, the Ferrari days, those boys knew what their job was and they did their job really, really well. Both cool of them. at McLaren. Um, yeah, Coulthard in the final, in, in his years when he finally realised he wasn't as good as Mika Hakkinen, absolutely. Um, he may, I think, as I you said, he ever realised that point, because every year this is, no, this no, is he's, my he's, year, he's made, but. He's made comments since then that he knew he knew what his place was. Obviously, at the time you can't say it, um, but post post career, he said, "Yeah, he knew where he was in that one." But he was very good at picking up points, and he was very good. At, you know, you know, he won thirteen Grand Prix. Yeah, off the I mean, top he's of not, yet. Did he win thirteen? No, he did. You're absolutely correct. He did. Um, yeah, he was twice. He wasn't, I've got a, a it wasn't seat terrible. Right? The, the but thing he did do fifteen is, seasons. He was. Well, that's that's almost one a season. He wasn't versatile enough. He couldn't and handle ten of them the, win the best car on the grid. And he was very good at getting off the line when you had to actually have clutch control. Anyway, they got to get, get off the line when it's his turn to buy a round of drinks, from what I hear. Um, <laughs> I've heard that whisper. Quite, quite, good at, uh, quite good at driving into the pit wall as well. Moving on. Come on. I've got some tweets I want to get to. Uh, Williams. Um, well, apparently they were very chuffed because they reckon their race pace was better, but that, that was defined by beating the Alfa Romeos, um, which is, you know... Yeah, a bit like say it's Man not... United back on form because they they thumped um, Wickham three 0 No, um, in fairness, in fairness, they've been getting quicker. We talked about how much time no, no, they've found since no, last year. Qualifying has been getting better, but they worried about the race pace. And now that so the race pace is getting better, and I, I think that I wait for a second event for two. Uh, yeah, I'll wait for a double blind test rather than just a all right, you know, peer reviewed guess. Well, I don't but, think um, that Williams was good at Silverstone as they had been at Hungary or Austria. Because yeah, I agree with you, but. You know, but let's let's give it another race. I, but the I, thing, the thing to remember about the, the Williams is the Williams 
can in, in qualifying and certain points use maximum mode the, on the Mercedes engine. I'm pretty sure the maximum mode on the Mercedes engine is significantly more powerful than anything the poor old Haas or the Alfa Romeo has at the moment. Yes. yes. So let's move on I'm to Alfa sure Romeo. Minimum, I'm pretty certain that minimum mode on the Mercedes engines is better than maximum mode on the Ferrari engine. Anyway, mm. Alfa Romeo. Um, uh, what's happening is I am beginning to think uh, that Giovinazzi is not as bad as I thought he was only because it does appear that Kimi has completely given up now um, and there's a very 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 strong rumour he's going hang to on, hang on hang on hang on yep that's Kimi phoning it in again mm-hmm. I mean he really was not there this weekend was he not really I mean it's, it's, it's you know it's, it's not even like last year when he was he was battling to bring the car forward but it's um you know, it, I'm it, very it, disappointed in Armin Kimi. There'll be a there'll be a space, which is obviously good news for Giovinazzi because he won't get fired, and good news for Mick Schumacher or Robert Schwartzman or anybody else on the uh, Mercedes Junior uh, Ferrari Junior program. And that's Nick Damon's team by team review of the British right. Grand Prix. Before we let you go, Nick, and I know we've taken yep. up more time than we said we would, Rotation says if you no longer go for a gap that exists, then you might not stupidly crash into Alan Prost and take both of you out of the race, which I laughed out loud at while you were talking uh, <laughs> earlier on, uh, in fairness. Um, Kevin Payne says, what does Nick think about Pirelli sticking with the plan to go with softer tyres this weekend. I think it's great, he says, and puts the responsibility on teams to get their strategy right. In some ways, Nick, does it actually make the choices easier for the teams in the fact that they know that they're going to have to... I presume it'll be a, a two-stop race this weekend. Yeah, yeah I think I think the, the, the issues um, were caused by the desperation to do a one-stop race yeah. and, and the safety car coming a little bit early. I mean, I think the fact is that Pirelli those tyres shouldn't give up at that point, but that's another story entirely. Um, I think that, yeah, it, it'll be a definite two. No one's going to start thinking, how can I make a one-stop? Because they know that's not going to happen. So they're going to be working around a two-stop and then it, it, they might get dynamic on a three-stop. So when you start from that plan, you're not going to stress any of the tyres to the level they were at the weekend. So it should be absolutely fine. They'll try and get two runs on the hards, which were this year, this week's mediums, and one run on, on, on the softs if they can. They won't want to use the ultra softs. I wouldn't think that they really have to, and that'll be a very short sprint but 54 laps should not be an issue uh, spread that way across the three at the time thank you nick uh and next week uh nick will be kimmy reichen in because he'll be phoning it Phoning in. it in. <laughs> 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 Thanks, guys. speak to you next week mate Bye-bye. bye uh nick damon joining us on midweek motorsport series 15 episode 31 we have two new voices to bring to you tonight shall i introduce them tim no do what says what it says on the script uh, say goodbye to Nick and we'll go to Creelsey. This week, your Aussie look at motorsport on the grid takes you inside the Darwin dramas. Five days of will they or won't they? Going to the top end has proven a challenge for supercars with another spate of COVID-19 infections and border shutdowns. We unpick it all, bring you all the latest news, so much so that we actually re-recorded the entire show. We're also feeling for our mates in Melbourne who have gone into full lockdown for another six weeks. So to assess the situation and get a read on the ramifications for the sport moving forward, we chat to team owner and champion race car driver Tim Macro. There's all that and the latest news, plus a review of the biggest Hyundai XL racing event of the year to date. And yes, that is a thing. It's 9pm Thursday night, UK time on RS1 On The Grid. Please check it out.
What does this uh, tune signify, John? Uh, this is the gallery. Uh, by the way, I still want to race in the Hyundai XL uh, race. Hyundai. I absolutely do. Uh, uh, Hyundai. Uh, and, uh, and in fairness, Krelsey could have been one of the two voices I was going to introduce. He could have been, but I knew he wasn't. No, it's, uh, it's fair. It's fair. Uh, this is the gallery, so you have pictures for me. Yes. Uh, you click on the link in the... Uh, uh, as I've sent you and also uh, share that with uh, Johnny if he can see your screen and share you can click on that as well right. and uh, we'll look at some of these uh, pieces of art right hang on copy link and then paste that up here this is not working well on radio Tim you really need to have given me some forward good so what we're looking at here uh, we are, we can say, good evening, Cher. Oh, you are very quiet. Speak to me again. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm going to dump you out of that one and try and get you on a different machine because uh, you're barely audible there. So we'll pull you up over here. In the meantime, I'll say good evening to Johnny Palmer, who is much closer. No, that's I'm joking. I'm joking. That's not obviously funny. obviously the connection is perfect from yes. me to you. Bearing in mind we are separated by a mere two meters. Yes, exactly. Good evening, John. And Good a perspex evening, screen. Uh, no, no perspex screen. We are perfectly um, socially distanced. Uh, in fairness, uh, right. Let's have a look at these. So, what do you want to? Are these the the posters? These are the posters. Oh uh, yeah, uh, the, the the four that they showed today, I really liked all four of them. If I'm if I'm brutally honest, the first one that they tweeted today, I thought was magnificent. Uh, the first the first one I'm looking at now is not the first one I looked at before. So are there more? There are twenty four of them. Oh, obviously. of course there are. Right, okay. Well, I can only see one of them on there at the moment. Just click on the arrows Which? on the left and right, and you can scroll through them. Do you think? Yes. Uh, no. Oh, yeah, maybe I can. Okay. Uh, red and blue cars. A uh, one that looks like a, a maze. Sort of snakes and ladders yes. type things. Hello, Cher. Hello. That uh, looks a bit like spaghetti. Yeah, that does look like spaghetti. Uh, third one is uh, multicolored, which uh, I'm not getting that one so much. Okay. Uh, fourth one I quite like, which is the blue and white one with the silhouettes of cars. Yep. These are all for this year. This was a competition, wasn't it? It was, yes. Uh, fifth one, trees and cars. Yeah, Lovely. That's by Pierre uh, I quite like the circuit, except the cars facing in the wrong direction. That's upsetting my this OCD. This the one on the yellow, on the yellow one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, d- I know. I like that one. I really like that. The next one is the black background with yes. the is it, I, I Le Mans. dark grey, but it is, is it, right? really nice, isn't it? Maxime no, like Chaudemanche from Nantes is the uh, artist in this one. I love the one with the uh, stopwatch in the light blue and the blue and yellow curves. That's, I, uh, that was one of the top four. That's by Andrea Noro from Turin. Yes, that's good. Uh, I'm not pink clean, clean. Pink not liking that. Uh, the one with a Ford GT, well, then that's not going to get any traction because Ford aren't there anymore, but it's not, un- <laughs> it's not great. Uh, it's not uh, awful, rather. 
um, oh, the the one. Oh, I like it's a bit the, I like this one, isn't it? With the street. Line yeah, with, the... with the Back to the Future style writing on the top. JP will like that oh, very much. Yeah. Looks looks like an XR. Should be Ford XR three. Written really on cool. the top. <laughs> uh, the the next one it's after that. Mary de Bellegarde from Sèvres who. Uh, the one that after one. that with the Adidas stripes on the bottom yeah. of the car should be one of our T-shirts. That is absolutely uh, Andy Blackmore ish, and one of our T-shirts. Oh, being two together there. Nathan uh, yeah. The one with the headlights. Mm, yeah, all right. Um, what was that? What was that? game where you drove like that down a long street. Was that Outrun? I think it was. The car uh, looks the more like a spider or something like that though, doesn't it? And I don't mean spider as in Renault spider, but... No, no, I know what you mean. The creepy crawly. A creepy crawly. A creepy crawly. Yeah, uh, the one after the headlights. Uh, a bit derivative. Not, not happy with that. Next one, the blue one, looks like somebody thin, lying in bed. Somebody lying in bed with a duvet over them. <laughs> that's a duvet, dear. We're not turning up. So yeah, that's so not going to get picked. the author of that one. It <laughs> looks like the front cover of a chiclet novel. Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I like that. Yeah, that's no, very cool. Now, that yellow one with the very uh, oh, the artistic... One. The yeah. abstract, yeah, I quite like that. And I'm not into modern art because there's no such thing. It's just the clever people who describe it. Who well, if there's a date on it, then, then, you know, it's going to be factually correct. Well, yeah, true. That's fine. I, I quite Made like yesterday, that. yesterday, modern art. Yeah, all right. Uh, now, th now, this is one of the ones that made the top four, which is the red, white and blue, highly stylized run up under the Dunlop Bridge, um, Ooh, which yeah. then... Paul, did you say that? I that do now that you've explained it. Yeah, oh, did you, did you not say that? Not immediately. Away? I mean, it, it, maybe if you'd given me another four hours, I might have uh, detected that. And there's right. a little plaque next to it, isn't it, to say, what can you see? This is uh, by another so Capobianco from Caserta. That was one of the top four. Uh, the Red Men group uh, playing Twister um, with squirty things. They're not socially things. distancing, are they? No, but they've but they've, they've they have some kind of um, they are all wearing PPE. Yes, yes. One and disinfectant. Toothbrush in his hand. I'm not sure what that is. That looks like a screwdriver to me. It's a screwdriver, a spanner, and a uh, some screen cleaner, isn't it? That's what that is. I've just realised. Uh, the blocky one. Uh, That's from Cameron Pete from Bristol. Well, uh, no, one, no. no. Next too, one too after that, colours. I like. Yeah, I like the like next one, one after that. I do. Uh, the blue and the, uh, the... You've got to follow along with this. Uh, uh, particularly with the... Um, I like the lettering. I like mm. this, the script on the bottom. Are we That's very good. The, the, the um, one by Alexis uh, Suri from... The Tulu. one with the multicolours, the clouds, yes, and the track right, stretching yeah. off into the infinity. one after yeah. that, I think it's quite clever in the day No, that, that's, that, that's one of my favourites. That was one of the top four. Day and night... Uh, very, very nice with the two shades of blue. This is I a, like that a lot. Another one from uh, uh, Bristolian, Annie Wright. Uh, oh, well done, Annie. Uh, artist there. Uh, the one after that, the Mondrian type uh, colourings uh, with different... I actually quite like that. I'm not sure how it, it, it um, relates to the race, but I actually like it as a piece. I could well, say you've got the checkered flag in there. You've got the yellow flag, bits of green as well. There's no race cars on there. No, but, um, you know, 
arrows. But you could probably, yeah, they're insinuated, aren't they? There's a, there's definitely a kind of pace within there. There's I, speed. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the next one is is quite an old-fashioned style of one, which I quite like, which is the man standing, the driver, uh, rather standing uh, with the hand over the top of a LMP2 car, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that now. The next one I like. Ooh. The blurred. Are you following along here, Shea? Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was cool. I do like the blurred. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Although, for some reason, I seem to think the cars are going the wrong way, but I, I don't know why. Uh, the it's next one. You're not used to having a viewpoint on that side of the track. That's a good point. The next one, uh, yeah, a, a different four different classes of cars, which I like. Um, very basic. I quite like that. And that takes us. And to then we're back around. We were, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. I, I think the one. So the Bristolian Annie. What's her name? Annie Wright. Wright. All right. That's the one. That's the one for me. That's the winner. Definitely. There you go. Decided. Uh, Johnny, so can we have that as a... Uh, I think we should have that as a T-shirt, shouldn't we? I think it would look cool. I think you'll have um, to ask her for permission. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Well, a bit of free advertising, Andy, come on. You sound like everybody on the internet. We'll, right be, there. we'll be there, all, all in uniform. Yeah, With absolutely. your brand. Johnny Palmer and Cher Adam join us. Uh, at Specutainment, your thoughts for the, uh, the Le Mans... Uh, uh, posters, please. Oh, I've just had a question for the responsible adult. Oh, no, I've answered that. Uh, Let's talk about spa with uh, Johnny. Spa. Spa. So, uh, what treatment do you like when you go to a spa? Is it the hot rocks or is it, you know, uh, little fish nibbling I your feet? I like those uh, heated sandwiches in the little cabinet in the corner as you first walk in. Right, yeah. Always favourable res uh, uh, restaurant, I nearly said there. Mm. Supermarket, I think they tend to be, yeah. Mm. Uh -huh. Good Very petrol good. prices as well. Very good. Uh, what treatment do I like? Um, no, I was. I, li I, was I like to sit down for four hours next to a warm and friendly voice uh -huh. and discuss uh, fast racing cars. Generally speaking, well, but enough about Bruce issue, Jones. You'll be. <laughs> well, oh, is, he not, is he not with me this weekend? Unfortunately, <laughs> you won't be able to do that this weekend because you've got me instead. Oh no! At Spa Frankishum, Nickers, Nickers. Is that all you can Nickers. Um, uh, this weekend, the next round of the uh, Michelin Le Mans Cup and the ELMS is indeed at the 7.004 kilometres or just over four miles of spa Francorchamps. Is that right? Okay. I don't know the mileage, but you're right, about 7,004 metres, yes. Bang I'm, on. I'm that's, on that's your three for tonight. Thank you. I'll take my headset off and go <laughs> yeah. home now. I think you should. What are we going to... Right, I, I, I know this is dangerous, but I... I I was busy when you were wor working with uh, with Jonesy, but Mr. Jones, um, Corporal Jones, uh, on the Ricard event. But I saw some of it, and then I watched Martin Haven's forty-five minute or forty-eight minute um, rant highlights program, yeah. which was almost entirely taken up by people running into each other. Did they all forget how to drive last event? It, it, uh, that's strange to me because it is a track where you know uh, you are Ricard. permitted to do that. At a, at a, at a, yeah, Ricard. Uh, I think. Well, almost. I was listening to your discussion about Silverstone and the Grand Prix. Mm. In that, you know, a number of cars going off, and almost as if people are given this false sense of security that there isn't a barrier there. There isn't, you know, a, an Arco. You mean like people who drive Volvos? 
I can't be hurt, so I don't have to look around. Exactly. So your insurance policy is non-existent. Right. And you think, well, you know, high friction tarmac all the way out there, no trouble. Um, there's got to be some difference between the testing that everyone's been allowed to do and the 30-plus cars that were at recar. We got 40 cars at Spa-Francorchamps this weekend, promised mm. at least, and we'll see how many actually make the start of the race. But, yeah, there, there were one or two question marks around certain cars and certain drivers and also a fair degree of rust I suppose to be knocked off uh, after a long period where people haven't been able to partake in motorsport when you are door handle to door handle. Um, the, the, the start was a little bit questionable I thought because one or two overlaps and two I think two cars in the LMS done for jump starts. Um, that is more difficult to do potentially at Spa because obviously they're feeding out of the final chicane and over the start line and then it's straight into La Source Hairpin which sorts the men from the boys so I mean that's going to be interesting but I agree with you there were more incidents than than we wanted um, and there were one or two people making the step up to the big show from the Michelin Le Mans Cup as you said one or two others as well from even as low down as club racing straight into an international championship I'm not sure whether there are necessarily questions to be asked there in terms of, you know, entry eligibility, but I think one or two may have taken the step back and said, did I necessarily approach that race in the right manner? And the the other thing is, you know, what have we had? Three weeks between the, the opening race and this one? So there's, there's not a great deal of reflective time before they're straight back into it and at a very different circuit. I mean, this place has got gradient, it's got virtually zero runoff in places it's got incredibly fast corners mm. as well and it's going to be busy i mean incredibly 40 odd cars and when we get to the race the p2s the p3s the gts are going to be on different strategies you're going to have slow cars rejoining and there's lots to get their head around and the reason that there's so many cars is there's a few wild cards some of who've come across from the the wec before the wec race the following weekend there's other people who maybe don't do the full wec who are trying to get a bit of practice in because there's no test here for le mans and and indeed there'll be some elms teams who stay over and then do the WEC the following weekend mm -hmm. to get another six hours of, of, of practice in. Yeah, Jota. Jota are going to do that. So that was announced um, just a handful of days ago that they're going to be on site anyway. So why not get a four hours under their belts before the six hours of Spa? And it's, you know, it's been a long time since the previous race of the World Endurance Championship. That was back in February at the Circuit of the Americas. So I, I can understand why people want to, you know, just, uh, I was going to say, just break their teeth a little bit. But, I mean, it's still a serious event. And this is not to negate the European Le Mans series. It's more to use it as a vehicle to, as I say, get get into a position where they can really fight for the, the six hours. Um, yeah, I... I think it's a good idea. I think it's great to have the Aston Martin back as well. They were at Paul Ricard uh, in the GTE category. And obviously Paul Dallalana and his squad will continue on in the WEC in the GTM division. Also great practice ahead of the, the 24 hours of Le Mans, which happens mm. over the weekend on the 19th and 20th of September as things stand. So um, always the with Le Mans in its more traditional uh, June date, Often the World Endurance Championship event at the start of May would form a, a, a good a reason to kind of one or two extra teams to go to that. 
um, in order to be ready for Le Mans as well. So, yeah, it, it, it's a good place to, to take a car because it, it stresses it. You know, it's a long lap. There's all sorts of different corners involved at Spa as well. And, li- and geographically, it's not that far away from Le Mans. It's, not that, it's certainly not that far from Spa. You know, you, you've got back-to-back weekends, so it's pretty much perfect. And that, that's more than a coincidence. Obviously, um, the ACO were on site anyway, so they, they've identified this weekend at Spa. Spa had a vacant date. Happy days. And for those asking, by the way, why the ELMS and WEC couldn't share a weekend, cast your mind back probably four months ago when we first started what Eve still calls the big pause, which I think is the best way to describe it, when we had Gerard Navon, He said they'd looked at it, but you cannot run a prototype out of the secondary garages. So anybody who was doing ELMS, they would not have been able to put the prototypes in the garages in the old pit lane. They're just not wide enough and big enough to get those cars in and out because yep. of the way the pit lane is configured. On and the, the downhill. Garage, on the downhill. La Source de Rouge. Yeah. You can fit a P3 in there, just but that about. is tight. And yeah. it's very tricky to, to get, get the mechanics in and out. actually round. Yeah. Well, get it in and out and also to string it as well. I mean, it's, that's tough to get personnel in to do the required bits and bobs. That's where the Michelin Le Mans Cup cars will be based. So you've got Correct. P3s and you've got GT3 cars there. Yeah. I don't think, you know, if, if they had a choice in the matter, they wouldn't be there. But no. that's just, Indeed unfortunately, so. that's where they've got to be. Uh, and, and you talk about the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Michelin Le Mans Cup this year because it, it has been a great training ground and a great stepping stone for talent uh, and for teams as well to more than put their foot toe in the water, ankle, get that ankle wet, whatever way you look at it, uh, into ACO racing. I think it's actually probably done a little bit better than the ACO could have hoped, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it, it was interesting to, to obviously follow this championship through from, from its birth in 2016 when it was just a GT3 championship and the numbers were very sl- very low indeed. And we kind of all accepted that because it was brand new and uh, a different initiative. I love the focus, which is very much on the bronze race, racer. So you have a you have an AM element, the bronze, and you have a pro element, which is the silver or the gold. Or I don't think there's a platinum permitted into it, but you don't right. certainly can have gold. Uh, but the beauty of it is that you can't use your pro driver to qualify. So it has to be the bronze driver qualifying the car. Those sessions, although not the most spectacular qualifying session I've ever witnessed, are fascinating because... Those drivers taking part get quicker and quicker through the whole of the 15... I think it's... Actually, we might even have 25 minutes this weekend. I've got a, a calendar, which I will look up. But because of the nature of the seven-kilometre circuit, then the sessions yes. are extended yes. at Spa. Always used to be that weird WEC, uh, yeah, if I think back. It used to be tw- the 20 minutes that we used to get in WEC qualifying was pushed out to 25. Yeah, just because the outlaps take so much longer. An hour. Uh, the outlaps take an hour. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends how quickly you go. They're going to be 15 minutes, actually, at Spa. And that's really? Yeah. Wow, that's, I mean, that's, that's probably, that is probably only three flying laps, isn't it? By the time you get out, get your tyres warmed up, that that's not that's not a lot of time. Let's just check, I've got the right uh, part of it. Yeah, qualifying session GT3, 15 minutes, and qualifying session LMP3, 15 minutes, which is at the same time as normal. Um, that's you get, unusual. You got ten minutes for ELMS qualifying, and that's extended to twelve minutes for everybody. So 
There's a, there's a sort of outlap for no you. Where? Yeah. So it's twelve minutes for GTE LMP3 LMP2. Saturday afternoon, two thirty local time, and twelve minutes is only is only four laps in my nine sixty eight. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're I mean, so they're going to get five or no, six laps. Literally if no time to wait. Now you don't have to switch drivers as you do in the WEC. Um, ah, so good point. Single good driver. Point. Good point. However, that's not a lot of time. And and I don't think they've extended the Michelin Le Mans Cup at all. So 15 minutes is 15 minutes, folks. Sarah Rigby yeah. points out Augustus Farf Augusto Farfus will be making his debut in the Vantage in the European Le Mans Series. Good prep for him uh, because he's racing at the WEC the following weekend. And then, of course, the, the 24 hours. And this is what we were talking about, JP. This is giving teams, drivers, the opportunity to get out there. and ha Because it has been a weird season. And effect I mean, effectively, in two weeks' time, uh, that's the first WEC race back, isn't it? After, yeah. after the, uh, yeah, the shutdown. Yeah, yeah, since, since the... I, th I have in my mind the 23rd of February. It was around about that sort of time for the Cota six hours, which yeah. originally was a race in Brazil wasn't it and then it got rearranged um, to the Circuit of the Americas uh, yeah Farfus is a great signing Th they had Ross Gunn mm -hmm. at spot at uh, Paul Ricard to join Matthias Lauder and Paul Dallalana and it'll be Paul Matthias and Augusto Farfus so yeah um, it's I mean he's just going to be plug and play isn't he you know take Ross Gunn out Augusto Farfus in no time lost whatsoever Sure. Um, Spa and Road America about the same Spa's a tiny little bit longer than, than Road America, but, w I mean, they're both over four miles uh, around. What did we get out of 15 minutes in GTD, GT3 cars, last weekend in terms of qualifying laps? We had a couple of cars that made it up to eight, but by and large, it was about seven laps for the GTD cars, so the s slowest cars got 0.3 of a mile longer at Spa. You're probably looking at six laps for the ones yeah. that haul the mail. Yeah. And you've got to be out for so everybody's going to dive out first of all. Well, weather forecast is exceptionally hot Good, it? Yeah. on Friday and Saturday. Sunday, there's a little bit of a low pressure area settling over I central Europe. I don't think there's going to be any rain though. But I, I don't think there's going to be any rain. But it's not going to be. I mean, it's mid to high 30s on Friday and Saturday in Celsius. So that's triple digits in the Fahrenheit scale. A little bit cooler on Sunday. Yeah, and we have I, seen in the past. I've, I've been. I was there at a Formula One race. The, the, formula, the only Formula 1 race that I ever commentated on, where um, Porsche Super Cup had to be cancelled because at 33, 34 degrees, the tyres couldn't cope with the strain that was being put on them. I mean, it is in practising qualifying, it, it is going to be... People are going to have to be a bit careful on how they use their rubber. Yeah, rubber was a bit of a moot point at Paul Ricard as well because the rules now are that it's the same rubber that's used in the World Endurance Championship, which is rubber that was actually designated to a championship in the middle portion of 2019. Yeah. So it's actually quite an old design now, yeah. that compound. And it's a brave man to go to Phil Hansen and his teammate Philippe Albuquerque can talk about tyres because, of course, they were leading the uh, four hours of Le Castellet, had to pit because of a puncture, and that took them out of the lead. Still good for United Autosports because the sister car of um, Alex Brundle and Will Owen and the other guy we keep forgetting, Jot van Outert. Uh, it's only because he's, I mean, he's a talent. It's just because he's moved to United Autosport, and I keep forgetting that. Um, 
they were then in a great position to take victory in the 23 car. But, I mean, I felt sorry for, for Phil Hansen and Philippe Albuquerque because Albuquerque was electric in qualifying on the Saturday. Yes, he was. Thing on pole. And then they didn't really do anything wrong. It's just that, you know, Le Castellet is high uh, abrasive surface. It's not long been resurfaced. Last year was it a year before. And, and the tyres we knew could be an Achilles heel for one or two and you really had to take care and obviously what just one tyre the rear left I think it was went bang will that be as much of an issue at Spa I don't know because you've got Eau Rouge which is massively <sighs> quick huge lateral loads there and other corners later on in the lap as well Pouon Pouon coming down the hill on the right hand right rear round Pouon right front as well then when you come back down to the, the bottom and you rejoin which is now called uh, Paul Frere Yes. The, the corner there where you rejoin what, the old Stavolo, yeah. the, the old Stavolo, exactly right, GP, uh, and and then you've got Blanchard. It's both sides of the car at Spa. Unusually, I don't think one side is is loaded no, more than, than yeah. the other. Um, on, and you're right, front tyres as well with a heavy downforce car. Then front tyres <sighs> more susceptible, maybe than the rears. The GTs is all about the rears and probably the rear left at Spa. But um, yeah, it, it, they don't get many tyres. GTs, I mean, I. I don't know if I've either forgotten this or just never knew it in the first place, but GTs, you can throw as many tyres at it Correct. as you want in GTE. Yeah. So as, lo- as much as your bank balance is. However, in LMP2, it's like three sets across yeah. qualifying and the whole uh, of the it's race. Nothing. It's nothing. And, and um, you can claim a beer for every time I call GTE GT Le Mans this weekend <laughs> okay. okay that's that's deal I'm writing that down <laughs> right <laughs> yep, uh, now we talked about Road America earlier on on the subject of Road America Shea Adam um, we had a ridiculously busy weekend particularly on Saturday with practice qualifying and three races the big race on Sunday uh, as has been the tradition now in 2020 was interrupted uh, by a rainstorm, but what a great weekend again of IMSA racing last weekend. Oh, it was so much fun uh, just across the board. I mean, even in the prototype challenge race, we just still not even sure what happened at the end. That was so sick. And then Michelin Pilot Challenge, you had Mia getting their ultimate redemption after losing the race, having led it on going into the final lap the year before getting the win for Corey Lunas and Sheena Monk, who Sheena Monk, hello, her uh, she was outstanding. set them up for the win. Loved that your interview. Mega. Loved your interview with her as part of the VP Racing Fuels uh, Pit and Paddock report when um, she was talking about, you know, how she, what she'd taken out of Lamborghini uh, Trofeo, of which more uh, later, uh, and how that had set her up yes. to be able to jump into a, into a GT3 car and feel confident. And that was really illuminating. Yeah, it was. And it's great to see the results of the ladder system play out like that because, of course, the Lamborghini series being a, a support series, and we'll get back to that in a, a few minutes. But also, in the race, in terms of good luck, bad luck, yeah, it, it filtered its way out. And there were a lot of people who could be deemed you know, winners and losers throughout the course of the weekend. Um, but it was really such a phenomenal race for two drivers really needed a good spotlight put on them. Ricky Taylor and Elio Castroneves mm. came in having finished last, last, and second to last in the first three races. They dead last in points. They had accrued 70 points out of three races, which is the equivalent of winning two of them and then scoring no points in the other one. So they yeah. really needed that little bit of a pick-me-up. Elio's drive 
was a clear intent, a declaration of I'm still good enough to be in IndyCar. I want to go back yeah. there because yeah. I know that my job is up here. So it was a good um, drive from him. It was really aggressive, but also Ricky on pole wins the race in the next 31. That's not a bad weekend for him. <laughs> no, not not at all. Not at all. Uh, we mentioned the Challenge Series. Uh, the Porsches were a little less uh, chaotic and crashy than at the same venue last year. IPC was good. Pilot Challenge was brilliant. I'm not going to spoil those for you if you haven't heard them on the archive, and they will be coming up in Sound and Vision as well on the IMSA channels. The channel... Series, the, the Challenger Series that wasn't there was Lamborghinis, we alluded to, uh, the, Skida, the uh, Trofeo, Super Trofeo. Uh, they're there this weekend on the NASCAR Xfinity programme. First of all, I have no clue what NASCAR fans are going to make of 5.2 V10 Lamborghinis that are going half as quick again <laughs> as the Xfinity cars and down the streets howl like a banshee. Uh, but secondly, we've got coverage this weekend, additional coverage, Friday and Saturday. It'll be Brian Till and Jeremy Shaw, as usual, who are are calling that. And, and an interesting, uh, you know, the Challenge Series for IMSA have had to be very careful about where their drivers are coming from with the COVID uh, situation. What's the entry list looking like for, for Super Trofeo this weekend? Well, that's just the thing, John. We don't have an entry list yet for Super Trofeo. I just pressed refresh once more, and it is now more than a week late. But you don't pay me do enough. Know? So I did, a, I did a little bit of digging. There an inspection schedule that lists 12 cars, five of them from Change Racing, one from Precision Performance Motorsports, or PPM as we know it, three cars from Prestige Performance and Wayne Taylor Racing, and three from US, US Racetronics. So let's do it from easy to difficult. Prestige, we know that the number one machine will be Stephen McLear, Stuart Middleton. He made his Lamborghini debut at Daytona earlier this year, the winner of the Sunoco Challenge. Another car for them will be the with Ashton Harrison and Andrea Amici. So they're retaining Andrea after his performance last year. And the third car is going to be the number 87 for Sydney McKee. We've seen Sydney share a BMW with her dad at Daytona mm. in the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series, but she is to this level of racing. Uh, okay, next in terms of easy to pick out, uh, PPM is going to be Brandon Godovic and someone else. We don't know who the other person <laughs> is, but you can't run in pro or pro-am by yourself. Can't be me. So we know that Brandon will have a co-driver. <laughs> I'm at Spa. Can't um, be me. You, you're at Spa, can't be you. Uh, yeah. U.S. Racetronics. The number six is going to be Stephen Agacani and Jake Edson. We have that announcement made, so I'm not sure if they're pro-am or pro, but they will be sharing that car. The team also posted a picture of walkers when they were testing, so I can attribute the number 24 to Leo Lamellis, a guy we've ah. seen driving in the prototypes before. And the 33, a newcomer, John Hennessy, but I believe that might be of Hennessy Motorsports, so somebody who's not new to cars. Finally... Change racing This is the hardest one because they have been keeping their cards to the chest, but they did post a picture of five Lamborghinis outside of their shop the other day before they set sail. I can tell you that the livery on the 36, which is also a number that he's run in the past, it's totally Matthew Dickon. It's his strategic wealth. It's got that all over it. The 03 
is the same livery we saw in the Mia McLaren this past weekend. I believe Sheena Monk will be driving that car. Ah. Don't know if she's with somebody. Don't know anything. I'm just saying at this point, I'm going off of liveries. Uh, the number 29, we do know, will be Corey Lewis sharing with Victor Gomez, the guy who has finally left the Porsche side of things. He's switching over to a Lamborghini. They either be pro or pro-am. I'm not entirely sure yet. The number 63 is a car that we've, and a number that we've long associated with the snows. It has the familiar UIS logo on it. That's going to be in the case now. No doubt about it. And he would be driving alone, which means that he'll be back once again, defending his title in the AM category. There's one other car. That's the number 16. We don't know who the drivers are for that one yet. It has not been announced, but I have it on very good information. That it's two guys that we are used to seeing driving a Lamborghini, just perhaps not in this series. Okay, um, whilst we're talking about Lambo, so that's Friday and Saturday on RS2 IMSA Radio. Uh, we'll have it in sound and vision on the site as well. Tim, you've got a bit more Lambo news. Yes, because while you may not have an entry list for the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo Europe gets underway this weekend at Misano, and we do have an entry list for that. It features the uh, twice runner-up Vito Pastiglioni uh, alongside his teammate from last year, Kiko Galbiati. Uh, also, Sebastian Baltazar and Marcus Paverud for Leipert Motorsport. Uh, you'll remember Paverud won the 24 Hours of Barcelona in uh, Creventic in 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. He's also the reigning European GT4 Pro-Am class champion. Uh, in the second Leipert car, Mikko Eskelainen and Elias Niskanen. Uh, will compete in Pro-Am, while Yuri Wagner and Paniagiotis Takis Spiliopoulos are in the AM class, and the fourth uh, Leipzig car is Jake Rattenbury and Guillaume Peugeot-Beyer. Uh, Milos Pavlovich returns... I really want Nick to be doing the, uh, the the pit walk for this. I know. The grid walk uh, for that. <laughs> that would just, that would, that's worth the price of admission alone, just, just for the two Greek drivers. The get, young Mex no, there's only one Greek driver. It's All right, just okay. a very long name. Okay. Uh, Raul Guzman <laughs> at Target Racing. Uh, Daniel Super GT champion Kevin Russell is in the other Target car alongside Alberto De Folco uh, in the pro class. Other series newcomers include Johan Kran Motorsports' Max Veering and Benaldi Motorsports' Dean Stoneman. And you can also see some familiar names on the grid like Johnny Chicotto, uh, Patrick Liddy and Damiano Fioravanti. Easy for you to say. Uh, let's do a bit more American news, shall we? Uh, Shay mentioned the uh, Sunoco Challenge winner when she was previewing yes. Roads uh, America. Uh, there will be no Sunoco Challenge this year. Oh, really? So next year there won't be a winner. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's that's uh, that's unfortunate. We uh, Nick and I because there aren't enough um, races, races for them to judge them on, and yeah. I don't think anyone could travel to America in uh, January anyway. Uh, uh, Nick and I saw Anders actually at the same classic event that we talked about seeing Mike Perry at the, 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 uh, early in the show at Ali Pali. Um, he was selling his 928 GTS, which was very nice. Dark blue, same colour as my 968. Actually, I was quite interested. Um, and, of course, that was a long time before before all this hit, and he was looking forward to it. So, from Anders from Sunoco. Uh, that's a shame, because that has been uh, a good way for... Uh, young drivers from Europe, from the UK in particular, to uh, to get a toe in the water. And what else have we got, Tim, before the end of the show? Uh, Sunoco do say that they'll be back in 2021, though. 
behind Did we closed the Gulf McLaren thing, by the way, the last couple of weeks? I think we might have uh, mentioned it, yeah. Gulf and McLaren have got a, a partnership. There you go. Uh, time for <laughs> this. That wasn't the Charlie Rich version. Was that Tom Jones? It was. It's still Tom Jones, yes. We should have like gone Charlie for Dolly well, this week, I suppose, couldn't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah but uh, Charlie Rich was the original. I'm pretty certain. Um, look it up, listener. Uh, absolute classic of the karaoke scene. Many a time I've sang for me supper and belted that one out. Uh, this has got to be... What's this got to be? Roger Penske, Indy 500. I'm not going to have it if I've got to do it with no spectators, said Roger, not four weeks ago. Is this the story? That's the story. Uh, it's very... You mean a PR person's nightmare? Well, yes. But, you know what? I, I know that there's all kinds of people who are disappointed about this. There's lots of fans saying there's no point in having it. But there's lots of reasons to have it, and we should celebrate that we're having it. Um, the biggest issue I've got here, it's nothing to do with whether it's fans or not. We haven't got 33 cars at the moment, she. <laughs> yeah, uh, 31 right now by all estimates and no real indication that the other two potential to fill the grid and make it a full 33-car grid are actually going to materialize. Uh, apparently, there are more cars, but they don't have to um, aero screen. So that would oh, really? kind of make things difficult. Yeah, practice begins a week today. So they kind of have to get things moving on that in terms of anybody pulling a, a rabbit out of the hat and, and so to try and get that to come together. But it, yeah, there's a lot of people who are complaining that are, they're upset because the race will be run without fans. They've already said that it won't be blacked in Indiana, which is something that typically happens if uh, ticket sales aren't at their maximum. So everyone can watch it. You can sit home, you can be with your you can still enjoy an American tradition. Just the fact that you can't go to the track and get drunk on the grassy knoll, you have to do it in your own home. There are quite a few people who are upset about that. But I'm I'm completely with you. Glad we have the race. Uh and uh noticed that Pitman Man is struggling to get her drive funded. That's gonna ruin a, a long tradition for her of, of running at the race and and, and and Steph Wilson as well Steph and Wilson still looking for for funding and, and I'm, yeah. I'm a bit I mean with two spaces on the grid without having to pre-qualify I'm a bit disappointed that those two haven't been able to, f to find a deal the thing that's me is that Stefan even said on Twitter the other day that he's not doing it for the money. Whoever puts him in the race can have 100% of whatever he wins. Wow. And the base amount that you get for starting the race is triple digit, uh, you know, six digits. It's, it's a significant oh. amount of money. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's worth investing. Yeah. I don't disagree. Don't disagree uh, with that. The good news is, as Cher said, you will be able to see it. 
if you are local. Kevin Payne says, I've no problem with Roger Penske stating he wanted spectators and now adjusting to the reality of the situation. No, I have absolutely no problem with that. I, I dislike the... What's the word I'm looking for? The trend of people for... Uh, oh, it's a U-turn. It's all gone horribly wrong. Um, you know, and seeing it's a U-turn as if it was something wrong. If people are adjusting, JP, to what are extraordinary circumstances this year, and, you know, we had, a, we had another IMSA calendar announcement at the weekend, which uh, we're not going to go through again. You can read it on IMSA.com, but effectively moving races around, moving some events to other races, putting a GT race uh, at on a NASCAR um weekend. on a NASCAR a, a weekend event. Have you seen yes. the timetable for VIR yet? No. Very yeah, interesting. Scared. I'm a bit scared about that. Um but JP I just want to bring you on here. Mm. Motorsport is a, a, a sport, a discipline where you have to react to changing circumstances when you're racing. So series doing the same things is it, not the worst thing, surely, is it? No, Rather I, I, try to do something that's not going to work. I think I, I prefer optimism to rain, and then you've got to rain it back a little bit when you realise, okay, that's not possible. Let's try this instead. And and you know, I mean, Creventic, massive kind of trailblazers in terms of getting an international event done and dusted and they were the first at Portimao what months ago now yes downscaled and I think mm -hmm. they, they downscaled it as much as they saw possible and that worked so then you can look ahead to the next event and go okay let's try this and just turn the taps release the taps a little bit and, and see whether we can do this as well but I mean so tricky because it, it, it's a massively fluid situation as well and you can plan you know for your opening event in two months time and w the landscape's completely changed by that point so it, it's definitely a balance between committing and saying these are our these are our dates this is our timetable and then being that brave you may have to just rescind a little bit you may have to just say we need to realign because the landscape's changed beneath us this is now the plan onwards there are a number of championships who've been exposed to an extent but i, I sort of favor their bravery to say we're going to put it we're going to put a date out there we're going to put a calendar out and then we can readjust if necessary I, and just to underline as we round up the show tonight how difficult uh, things are. Breaking news coming in from the race, uh, reporting that Formula E chairman Alejandro Agag will be missing, uh, has missed, in fact, his first uh, Formula E race today after he has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, he is the outgoing Formula E chairman, of course. He was told of his positive test yesterday and he'd be confined to his hotel room uh, having tested on arrival but proof if nothing else uh, that the uh, the system is working uh, spot checks by infection officers uh, build up to the race uh, and a couple of uh, positive tests uh, from uh, Alejandro and Dilba Gil as well the Mahindra boss who uh, tested uh, positive as well. So those guys will be out of uh, commission in terms of watching the next nine days of racing because they are fitting them all in. Tomorrow night is the next 
of their races. Uh, that's about it for this evening. Reminder that uh, tomorrow we have the Toro Radio Show at 8. Then Krilzy and Tony Shibaki and the team at 9 for On The Grid. Friday, it's Lamborghinis uh, from Road America, also on Saturday. And then Saturday and Sunday, Michelin Le Mans Cup plus qualifying for ELMS and then the ELMS race on Sunday. Johnny Palmer is the voice of that and he has to put up with me at the weekend inst instead of the knowledgeable Bruce Jones. Every amazing gig is always going to have a bit of a downside to it, hasn't it? It's so, true. You know, that's fine. It's true enough. Um, I'll make it up to you, I promise. I know a couple of really nice places for food on the way And home. I'll have that beer counter going as well. GT, GT Le Mans. Not GTE, mate. Oh, that's you want me a beer. Yeah. Uh, that's all we've got time for tonight. We'll see you next week just after 8 o'clock on RS1. No time to explain. The Llama is having a secondary test. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.